0: Popping squats on Nancy's desk. She's a lizard. When we riot, do it right, take her scissors. Got the zip ties in my coat, in my coat, like Twizzlers. Now I'm feeling like a Fed does on J6. Like on J6. Like on J6. Now, 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 now. I'm cruising with the FBI on J6. Like I'm J6, like I'm J6, nah 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 nah, now I'm feeling like a Fed does. I'm J6, give me that podium, um um, give me those Viking horns horns. Informants getting riled, Senate chamber wet and wild. Get them pipe bombs planted under benches, then dropped. Now call up Tommy Tuberville and get those votes blocked. Hell yeah, psych psychological ah. Uh, with proud boys all around me, they be acting like they tough. They be acting like they tough, acting, acting like they tough. DOD command, call the cat police off. Popping swats on Nancy's desk, she's a lizard. When we riot, do it right, take her scissors. Got the flagpole in my hand, in my hand, like a joust pole. Now I'm feeling like Ray Epps does on J6. Like on J6, like on J6. Walk between the velvet lines like tourists. Just like J6, just like J6. Now I'm feeling like Ray Epps did on J6 taking taking selfies with the cat cat police McConnell in his bunker, turtle underneath the sea This is what we make believe, is what happened that day Propaganda to the head and repeat what we say Hell yeah, like psychological ops When proud boys all around me they be actin' like they tough They be actin' like they tough Actin' actin' like they tough D.O.D. Command called the cat police off Poppin' squats on Nancy's desk, she's a lizard When we riot, do were right, take her scissors Got the zip ties in my coat, in my coat like Twizzlers Now I'm feeling like a Fed does on J6 Like on J6, like on J6 no, 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 no. Now I'm cruising with the FBI on J6 like I'm J6, like I'm J6. Now no, 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 no. I'm feeling like a Fed does on J6.
1: Because I don't want to make any money, folks. I just love to sell guns. <laughs>
2: Shimmering radiances of lustrous fractal light and my synthy vibed out breakbeats. Welcome to the Barbarian Noetics Podcast, where we stay dedicated to the elevation of the human spirit and, as always, to resisting this status quo. I am, as always, your loyal host, Little Raven. <laughs> Friends, I'm coming at you from a smoking hot Saturday afternoon here in South Phoenix. It's a hundred and fuck this degrees outside. I got the front AC unit off because I love y'all. I got ice packs in my pocket to stay cool and uh, still sweating balls, but loving it. I kind of find the heat sort of comforting in the strange kind of way. I don't, I'm a, I'm a sun person. I'm a sun worshiper. I'm a Leo. So this is like, this is my time, baby. And as long as I can steer clear of that heat exhaustion, I'm good. So part of what we do here at the Barbarian Noetics Podcast is we shine a light into the darkness, you shine that flashlight into the corner and the little roaches scatter. Uh, Darkness cannot do anything with the light other than skitter scatter away. That's the power of shining light. And sometimes when you shine light on stuff, it can be harsh, it can be upsetting. Um, And specifically for the context of this episode, I'm talking about environmental toxins. Things like the glyphosate that gets sprayed on all the produce, unless it's organic, and that even finds its way onto our clothes and all that kind of shit. Uh, whether it's heavy metals in the air, in the food, in the medicines, whether it's diesel fumes we're breathing in, processed food, etc, etc. It can all get very overwhelming and you can start to get a little bit blackpilled about it or start to feel like it's just too much, whatever, fuck it. And so I think it's important always to come back to action-oriented and solution-oriented vibes. And so this episode, I'm incredibly stoked to feature someone who is fighting the good fight in terms of how do we best manage these toxins, eliminate the toxins, and then move forward in a healthy way in the world. I'm speaking of, of course, the one, the only, Christian Yordanov. I call Christian a truth caster. He's got two amazing podcasts, Connecting Minds and the Children's Health Podcasts. He's a health consultant. He's a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. He is a fount of knowledge and insights. But most importantly, Christian is an all-around awesome person. He's a genuine person who's doing it for the right reasons. He's out here elevating the human spirit. And that is something that I I feel as though I'm like becoming more finely tuned to that. You know, I talk a lot about authenticity. I talk a lot about being real and I'm always in the process of unfolding in terms of like discovering exactly what that means. You know, it's it's a tricky thing because what are you going to try to be authentic? You're going to try to be genuine or are you just going to be you know, it's it's a tricky thing. You always have to still be um, you have to be about society in a certain kind of way, respectful, cordial, all that kind of stuff, but also authentic and real. And so it really kind of constellates around what's going on in your heart. Like, who are you as a person? Christian Yordanov is a really good person and he's doing this work for the right reasons. And so I'm just honored and stoked and excited to introduce you all to him. Uh, He is the featured guest for this week's episode. Christian wrote a book called Autism Wellbeing Plan, How to Get Your Child Healthy, which is a comprehensive resource for parents uh, to help them understand the most common health problems that affect autistic children and then how to address these health problems effectively and efficiently. So we cover a lot of ground in this far-ranging, pragmatic, and enjoyable chat. We talk about reducing toxic exposure, supporting your body's detox processes, your natural detox processes, because again, our bodies are these amazing machines, and how best to eliminate your existing toxic burden and then move forward in, in existence in a way to where you're at optimum capacity, and that's the best way for genuine, true health. So after you listen to the interview you're you're gonna understand what I mean about Christian in terms of how insightful he is and BMP listeners get a 30% off coupon for Christian's Detox Workshop, which includes over 13 hours of priceless educational resources. So the link is in the description. When you use the coupon code RAVEN, you will get 30% off of Christian's Detox Workshop. So definitely check that out. All the links are going to be in the description. And you can support Christian's work and listen to all of his podcasts on his website, ChristianJordanov.com. And of course, I wouldn't leave you high and dry without those zany audio tidbits, so we have the triumphant return of WBMP, getting weird on your radio dial. Haven't done one of those segments in a while and had a lot of fun with that one, so that's going to be in this uh, episode as well. And a couple people have been confused about what I mean when I say WBMP. It's like a radio station, you know how radio stations are always like W whatever, whatever, whatever. So my radio station, WBMP, we get weird on the radio dial because we splice certain things with other certain things typically it's like a musical piece with something in completely insane that one of the uh, predator class goons has been saying we splice these things together in new and innovative ways that's what wbmp getting weird on your radio dial is and this episode it makes its triumphant return and as always friends if you appreciate what i'm doing here with the podcast i can really use your help to stay on the air um, so consider supporting the podcast if you derive some value from the shows I put out. There's many ways you can support the podcast. There's the direct donate link down in the description. You can sign up to be a patron, Patreon.com/noetics, or you can also hop over to BuyMeACoffee.com/noetics. It all really makes a difference, and I appreciate the hell out of every single one of you, my listeners. I love and honor all of you, and let's elevate this human spirit, y'all. Spread the word and tell a friend about the Barbarian Noetics podcast, point them to an episode you think they might be interested in. That's how we are going to grow. I'm going fungal over here, friends. I'm not going viral. I'm going fungal. It's all about making connections. It's all about grounding in existence in terms of how do we relate to one another? How, how do we achieve our success in a way that is collaborative and cooperative while still maintaining that beautiful individual expression? That's it. That's the Philosopher's Stone, and that's what we're figuring out. So don't forget to bestow those five sweet, sweet stars upon me. Throw me a review. It all makes a big difference. I appreciate the love and the feedback and the support. Y'all are the best. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this episode with the one and only Christian Yordanov, and I'll talk to you at the end. Take care, everyone. Peace. (laughs) Peace. Ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the barbarian noetics podcast we have a very special guest today i'm super stoked to bring this guy into the barbarian lair all the way from portugal we have the great christian yordanov now christian he's a true renaissance man he is a i call him a truth caster he's got two different podcasts both incredible podcasts connecting minds and children's health podcasts He's an all-around amazing person, importantly, and Christian is also a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and he's the author of an incredible book, Autism Wellbeing Plan, How to Get Your Child Healthy, uh, which I have been reading through and I find to be impressive, first off, and incredibly informative and comprehensive. It's a comprehensive resource for parents to understand the most common health problems that autistic children suffer from and how to address them. The scope of his health research covers many areas, including children's health, pregnancy preparation and recovery, which is an interesting one I want to touch on today, and optimizing health and longevity. So, Christian Yordanov, welcome to The Barbarian Lair.
1: Thank you, Raven. Uh, You're making me blush, bro. I appreciate all all your kind words, and it's a great honor and pleasure to be with such an amazing, beautiful human being such as yourself on your podcast, brother.
2: I really appreciate that, man. Um, just for listeners who may not be acquainted with you, would you just kind of introduce yourself and let folks know? Like I always like to ask people, what re- what road led you to your current path? We all have such circuitous life paths, and yeah. how did you find your way to your current position as truthcaster, health consultant, and rock star?
1: <laughs> Man, I I don't even know, bro. Like I ever since I can remember, I was constantly into new and different things as I was growing up, you know, new hobbies. And I remember even like a, at a very early age, my my uh, family members around me would say, you know, you need to like stick to something, pick pick something and stick to it. And I was never, never into that. You know, I'd play guitar. I was in a punk rock band. Um, uh, Jesus, what else? Like at one point I was going to be a personal trainer. I, I was doing Thai boxing for a while. And when I hit 30, I did a an amateur Thai boxing fight first of my life at the Damn. age of 30 yeah dude i was like in so many things like um i was in uh, at one point i was doing uh, uh courses in on information security and information systems auditing but just i can't even uh my wife like she's like every three months i have a new thing going on and she she's no longer even like um surprised she's like god what will you come up mm-hmm. with next and if you look at like my books all around the house here and downstairs just a um, Like an incredible array of different things, you know, from gardening to, um, you know, spirituality to conspiracies. So I have no idea. But what what um, I did uh, a while ago, a good while ago, was the um, that sixteen personalities test, which is like the Myers Briggs type indicator, and that came the result of that came as the explorer i believe it was like if i can remember correctly and the explorer is like the description was you mean i can't you mean i can't be an astronaut and a, an entrepreneur and a da, 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 da. so i'm that kind of personality you know so um i was always into kind of the health stuff i guess well not always but you know for the last 15 years and one of the things that really kind of got me into like really understanding health and Will I? Uh, it was actually my grandmother. I, I, I mentioned it when you were on my podcast um, uh, a while ago, which I, I'm about to publish that episode. Um, but um, seeing her sort of age and degenerate at the, um, I suppose at the at the mercy of the the doctors that were quote unquote taking care of her. You know, with all these medications and no one actually helping her with with anything. You know, just pumping her full of drugs and like seeing her sort of suffer the last years of her life I was like well Jesus Christ like I have to figure out is this purely genetic am I going to succumb to this and is there no way out or is it is there something else and that was I guess around 2017 2018 and I started getting really into like the microbiota microbiome uh, sort of the the real nitty-gritties of of health and how nutritional status and the nutrients we uh, consume or are deficient in or insufficient in can uh, exacerbate um, vulnerabilities genetic or otherwise um, and, and can contribute to even psychiatric type conditions right and and then it it was soon after that when someone in my family basically uh, was suspected of being a child was suspected of being on the autistic spectrum, and that's when I really started diving deep into autism. And uh, that was our 2018, and then 2019, I started writing my book, and then 2020, I published a book. And you know, since since then, um, and since uh, getting uh, certified as a, a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, I've just been like really getting deeper and deeper in, into everything. So I do with my clients, I do all kinds of testing. So uh urine uh stool uh, food sensitivity testing so we test for pathogens nutrient status we do hair testing for toxic metals and uh uh, uh nutrients and it's now it's genetic testing as well and it's just um it's like an ever growing sort of array of knowledge that i'm sort of building and researching and it just it seems to be an ever growing sort of um uh I suppose, ba- basically, like uh, just to kind of uh, wrap up, I-, I feel like I will forever be a student of this health stuff because it's just such a broad thing. You could specialize in just one thing, like gut stuff, or like liver stuff, or just genetics, or just methylation, which is a very sort of specific thing. And and um, so uh, yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at now. And this is like it was again. It all started with um, just folks close to me and. Just trying to figure out is is it environment? Is it genetics? Is it a the combination thereof? And can we do something about it, or are we at the mercy of you know, big pharma and the butchers?
2: Yes, exactly. The white coat butchers. Um, yeah. You know, as I'm, I'm sure uh, listeners of the BMP are well aware, it's not a healthcare system; it's a sick care system, and. I just love the mentality of taking matters into our own hands. We don't have to be at the mercy of anybody. And it's actually, you know, we're both, you and I, we're both do our own research type guys. You know what I mean? We're not, I'm not afraid of that label. And that doesn't mean like being reckless. It doesn't mean being, it certainly doesn't mean uninformed. It means the exact opposite. It means being truly informed. And by true, I mean like you are discerning about the information that you take in, you're con- uh, discerning about the media you consume, the people that you um, consult with, you know, and the, the techniques that you go about doing. I find it interesting that you're, you are such like a, a Renaissance type guy. First off, did you win that fight when you were 30? Was it my time?
1: Like, uh, I don't want to start making a lot of excuses, but um, <laughs> let, let me tell you why why I didn't win the fight. So okay. we were, <clears throat> we with my, Girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. First of all, we went to Amsterdam on our first trip together. Uh, about six weeks before the fight, came back after that, got sick. Um, uh, I was training so hard, sparring so hard that I, I my my shins were in absolute bits. I couldn't kick with my right leg. I was training so hard. I was going like my the office where I was working. I would go train uh, at lunch, the lunch breaks, come back and then i would sit i i didn't have time to like uh you know cool down stretch so i messed up my right hip in fact i had to after that fight for months several months i couldn't sleep i was waking up at night from the pain in my hip so my wife luckily she she's um a, a, a ex professional ballet ballet dancer ballerina and she she was getting injured a lot so uh one of our her family members he had a contact for Conor McGregor, the MMA fighters, uh, physio guy. They call him Mr. Payne for wow. probably obvious reasons, right? So through my wife, I went to Mr. Dr. Payne, sorry, not Mr. Payne, Dr. Payne, <laughs> so I went to Dr. <laughs> Payne, Connor McGregor's physio in Ireland, and this bro, I guess I went, I don't remember, 10-15 sessions with him, but um he, he fixed me up, bro. My my whole like my whole um um hip joint my femur bone was popped out of the socket so he, he got me back uh, it was very painful and very it, but like luckily he, he helped me out but yes yeah, so I was doing a lot of things very stupidly um, I was I was breathing wrong I was mouth breathing when I was training this is something that I learned since I studied with one of the foremost experts on breathing in the world I'm certified as a uh, buteco breathing practitioner which is a breathing re-education um, uh uh, related stuff and since since fixing my breathing, like a lot of problems I've had uh got fixed so no i i lost I lost on points, I managed to last all three rounds, and I nearly knocked the guy out a few times, but this kid he was like ten years younger than me, he was almost one head taller than me he was ripped, he was ripped to shreds, and then when when the you know the the ref brings you in before the fight starts, he was just like looking at me <laughs>
2: like. <coughs> Damn, they call that they call that being juicy. Like <laughs> he, he was, was possibly like, juiced up a little bit.
1: Yeah. Oh, the, he was like so pumped. Um, that. Oh, and also, I was, by the way, I I was also doing that whole year of training on a vegan diet, plant based, mm. which was very stupid, very mm. very stupid. Um. So I I lost on points, but I I I could have knocked him out a couple of times. I had a chance.
2: So i'm i really feel more the more and more as i live life i i feel like existence is kind of like a school for our spirits and everything that we go through and experiences that we have and the ups and the downs and the strikes and the gutters they all carry all these like really deep lessons and then the lessons start blending together and some you have to have one lesson before you can appreciate another lesson but what i just kept on thinking about with your story is how important it is to remain balanced all the time because you know as uh I'll say it too, like, especially as men, you know, like sometimes we have this mentality of like, you got to get after it, get it, get it. And like, some of that is good. My neighbor, Reynaldo, he always talks about how like ambition is good. But then at the same time, if you go too hard in the paint, you know, that's, then you actually just straight up injure yourself. I'm always coming up to that um, with my workouts. Like I'm, I, uh, I had a really bad bicycle accident back in 2016. I like I did everything I possibly could have done to my left leg, except break any bones, like any, any wow. ligament, any, any tendon. It was like stretched. Ah. It was, I had zero mobility, walk around crutches for months. It was really fucked up. And uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, it's going to be, a forever process, basically recouping from that. I am making progress and the weight training is, is really helping me. I find like every time I have like a really traumatic injury, like I broke my wrist when I can start to do like the weight training and, and, um, strengthen the muscles around the joint or around the bone that's, that was damaged. Like that seems for me to really make the biggest difference, but Mm -hmm. I'm always coming up against that, that personal wall of like, how far is too far how you know you push yourself to the you want to push yourself you have to push yourself because meaning in so many ways like meaningful things what makes things meaningful is the fact that they are difficult so if you never push yourself you're never like you're not growing from your edges you're not building yeah. that character it's very important but then at the same time you go too hard in the paint and then you actually straight up injure yourself you know well, did yeah, go for yeah,
1: it. When I was writing my book, bro, eight months of research, writing, and editing to publish this book. With again, I was like I was t- telling you before we started recording, with my uh my last course I just published, I, I just set arbitrary deadlines, which is is a good way to get shit done. But uh, dude, 14 up to fourteen hour days at the computer, staring straight ahead, and my dude, I messed up my neck, I messed up my lower back, and it's still haunting me, and it's um. Three three years ago, right? It's still haunting me. This back pain yeah. I still have. I still can't rehabilitate myself fully out of that. And uh, and anytime I spend like several hours at the computer a day, like my neck just like like I and I go to the chiropractor every week, and the guy's like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like what are you, like he's 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 like snapping me back into place. Uh, but he's like like the, you know what I mean? We we you, you understand very well that we are treating the symptom here. You need to like stop whatever it is that you're you pushing yourself. Like you say, you're pushing yourself and you, you kind of have to know your limits because yeah. I, what do you think, be.
2: I don't want to get too derailed on this topic, but I do think it's a really interesting one in terms of like deciphering how you get to that, how you go up to that line, like right up to the line where you you're pushing yourself as far as you possibly can without going too far and actually hurting yourself. One thing that I've discovered is that the more that I become tuned in with my body. So this ties in. I love the fact that you took that breathing course, man, because just like meditation is so like central in, in my mind, like foundational for everything, mental and physical health, the mm. breath, man, you can't possibly get much more like mm-hmm. foundational than the oh, yeah. breath. It literally informs absolutely everything. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I find that the more I tune in with my body, the more I, I, um, Sensitize myself to my own electrochemical situations. Your body will kind of give you a heads up, like dog. It, for me, it comes in little twinges. Sometimes even like little electric shocks, like, and it's a warning, being like, okay, you've done enough friggin' Turkish get-ups today, bro.
1: <laughs> Jesus,
2: take a break. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any? uh you know,
1: Yeah. Yes. I something I'm I'm trying to research a little bit at the moment. I think honestly genetics plays a big part here right um so um think about dopamine right it's it's that it's that neurotransmitter that's associated with motivation getting stuff done and if you have um a cer- certain polymorphisms in certain genes you methylate or degrade dopamine faster and other folks and certain nutrients in the diet, for example, from onions, quercetin, which is found in certain other vegetables, but onions is a, is a classic example of this um, uh, nutrient. It can af- affect the speed of the enzyme, so it can certain things can slow it down. Can uh, it's the COMT catechol O-methyltransferase enzyme? It basically breaks down estrogens and certain um, things like dopamine. So my Uh, The uh, COMT has no polymorphisms, quote-unquote. So the enzyme works at normal efficiency. So it can lead to... And I think we talked about this last time, I can't remember. Uh, It can lead to um, you having a lot of... uh, 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 Getting through your dopamine very quickly. And this can cause you to to want to switch from subject to subject or from topic to topic or from conversation point to conversation. And other people... That let's say their enzyme is slowed down. They have like one or two polymorphisms uh, or one or two alleles in that gene, for example. They can uh, they can be very rigid in, in in mind, so they can like focus on a task for a very long time. And I'm starting to suspect this is where a lot of like ADHD and autism uh, may may have the those idiosyncrasies. Like ADHD, you might be like like me more. Autism, you might have a a less. Uh, 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 efficient enzyme. So you, you might be like more sticking to one thing, want to stick to one thing. And so the, the, obviously it's a much more complex thing than just one gene, just one enzyme. But I think, um, I think it has to do with, uh, it, it, it definitely influences that, right. You know, you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I do. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole enzyme thing friggin' fascinates me. And actually yeah. this kind of ties in to my first question there conversation I wanted to have with you so I'm reading your book about the uh, autism wellness plan and what I'm finding is that it's so incredibly relevant to like my own life and so it's it kind of made me think about the fact that you know so much of this is no matter what you're going through what your genetic situation is, what symptomatic challenges you have, where you are on the spectrum. You know, I'm kind of of the belief that like, we're all on the spectrum somewhere. These, what your book does and your work in general, I would argue, you go after the universal truths, which is fantastic because it's like, the information that you're taking in pertains in some way to my own life, to my friend, to everyone in my life. like. That's, I find that fascinating. Like, what do you think about that? The idea that maybe we're all on the spectrum and that some of these, some of these truths, these universal health, health tricks pertain to all of us.
1: Absolutely, bro. And th- thank you for your kind words again. Um, dude, everything, it's like, um, there was one, one paper I was reading for, uh, as the research for my, my paper was going on. And there was the guy, I think, uh, Stephen. J- it's either Stéphane Genois or Stephen Genuis. I think he's Canadian. If he's French-Canadian, it's probably Genois. But he's a great researcher. He's done a ton of research on uh, toxins and the uh, toxicants and how they can you know, mess you up. <coughs> so um, in there, he, I think he, he said something along the lines of, there are many ways of being sick, but there are f- a few ways... Of becoming sick right so Mm. so again when you couple let's just say the very briefly what are the ways of being sick because we know there's there's we could list diseases conditions and and everything until the cows come home you know you got your um psychiatric things you got your autoimmune stuff you got your childhood stuff you got your just like they keep coming up with new ones you know uh every every year there's new there's new autoimmune stuff and but the way also
2: always new toxins too that's the thing it's like always new toxins all it's yeah
1: and yeah. there's new interactions uh between these toxins and so but uh, so let's talk about what are the ways of becoming sick well uh stress right so stress is the big one and that can be it can be um physical it can be psychological stress that's a big one actually um it can be mechanical, physical, mechanical. You know, can uh, physiological, mechanical and physical. You can kind of put them in that category. And then, you know, there's biochemical stresses, right? So uh, we have biochemical uh, a stress, a biochemical stress can be uh, 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 nutrient inadequacy, overt nutrient deficiency. It can be toxins, toxicants. So just to uh, to to be technical here. Toxin is something like a bacteria or a yeast, uh, something in the gut or a mold creates, like mycotoxins, um, endotoxins and stuff like that. And a toxic, technically, is something like, an, like a, a, a toxic chemical, toxic metal and, and things like that. But, you know, for, for the sake of conversations, ease, we just call them all toxins. So, so you have your toxins, endogenous, exogenous and that that's here's the here's the the, so these these are the main things right so nutrient deficiencies uh uh toxicity and um also nutrient excesses and, and the various other stresses psychological and so on so these are these are it you know uh these are the biggest sources of um of um of why people are getting sick because when you think about it, every okay, we have different genetic predispositions, right? Like for example, in my family, we have like depression runs through our family, atherosclerosis, stroke runs through the family. And when I do my, when I've done my genetic testing, a lot of the genes that have the most research back, uh, backing their, you know validity, clinical validity, are associated with those things that run in my family. So mm. we have, we're we're at a stage where we understand the stuff a little bit better than 15, 20 years ago. And um, so you, you have your predisposition. So we have, let's say, a, a few genes in my family that predispose us to these to these things. These things will only occur, let's say, uh, be it uh, miscarriage, pregnancy loss, atherosclerosis, um, depression, and so on. They will only occur if the um, how do I say it? If basically your nutritional status is not up to par. If if, for example, what I'm doing, for for I have the MTHFR homozygous, uh not a defect, but it's a variation, right? And that one is associated with those things I just mentioned. So atherosclerosis, my my granny, you know, had like four strokes and so on and so forth. And what I'm doing for that is I'm taking creatine. I'm taking uh, trimethylglycine. I'm taking methylated B vitamins like methylfolate and uh, methyl B12. I'm taking glycine, the amino acid. I'm eating enough protein. And I'm doing all of the things I'm supposed to do to support my methylation system to re- uh, ameliorate those risks, right? Now, I've told this to people in my family. They don't want to listen. They w- they don't want to do genetic testing. Uh, they're, they're like, you know, uh, this woo-woo shit, uh whatever like you do you you do you we do we whatever <laughs> right so so I you know I I don't want to sound like uh crass or anything but like they're putting themselves at risk you know we have data we have a, a lot of stuff to do to to support that right so they're putting them themselves at risk for that especially if their nutrient status is not up to par, but if your nutrient status is up to par, you are not going to succumb to these things. Now, here's the, uh, you know, a hundred years ago, that would have been fine and dandy if you just eat well, you know, you eat um, eat plenty of ancestral style foods, you know, liver, uh, meat, uh, eggs, uh, you know, fruits and vegetables, and it, if it's clean food that's awesome, you're going to be, usually you'll be fine, and people used to live well uh, into their 60s, 70s, and be quite healthy back in the day, if you survived, you know, the the first five years of, you know, uh, because that was the biggest reason that the, um, uh, for example, if you look at hunter-gatherers, their life expectancy could be 35 years old, because a lot of their kids, their infant mortality is like 25%, so that's what confounds that, but um. Nowadays, the toxins in the environment, in the air, water, food, and so on, in our personal care products, these are causing a lot of damage. And the, they, the, at first, they don't cause damage. What they do is they cause us to use up our antioxidants. So you, when a toxin comes into your body, mm. you are now using your antioxidant systems and your uh, vitamins and minerals to, to um, neutralize and excrete these toxins. But here's what happens. Over a long enough timeline, if these toxins are not reduced, and usually what happens is they just keep accumulating. We store them up in our fatty tissues and so on and so forth. You know, we're living in big big cities. So these toxins keep coming in, and we are eating food on a daily basis. Most people are not eating enough for what they need, but the body has you know storage in the organs, it has storage in the bones, in the collagen collagenous tissues, joints, so it can take bits and pieces here and just kind of keep you going. And you're getting some new nutrition. You know, some people take vitamins. So you keep going, but you're suboptimal. And you're let, let's say you're like 1%, 2% suboptimal every day. Well, over a year and 10 years, that co- compounds a lot, right? So gradually people start to like age faster. They, they have energy Issues, they get sick more often, more infections, um, brain fog, and they just their whole performance as a human is diminished over like as they age. And and this is what you go to the doctor, and the doctor will tell you, well, you know, you're 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 getting old, and um, that's that's really not 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 true, man. Like like if you look at someone like a like a smart uh, naturopathic doctor in their like 60s or 70s or 80s. They're like still very lucid. There's they can like recite fucking studies from 50 years ago, from 10 years ago, like 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 case studies with their patients or clients. Like that's not the fate that we have to succumb to. It's not it's a choice, right? That's kind of let me let me stop there and let you kind of chime in. Dude, I'm just
2: like absorbing all of this. This is such like valuable information. I it brings me back to uh, I, I am thinking about this more and more that the in the uh, truth or community, the independent media, there's the whole uh, rigmarole around like uh, terrain versus terrain theory versus germ theory. Uh, my mentality is it's both and, and you know, I'm of the and and you can tell me what you think of this because you're much more of an expert than I am. But what f- what my intuition tells me is that. When we are, as you say, optimized, when we are taking in everything that our body needs and, you know, different bodies need different things. And that's where the testing can come in and stuff like that. But if we have, if our body has everything it needs to actually mount an effective immune response, we can literally overcome any pathogen. So rather than focusing on fear of this pathogen or fear of that pathogen, which of course is like. And again, people go, I think people go a little bit overboard on this stuff and they throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's like, so there's the, the cartel <laughs> and the, the parasitic class, they use the fear of these pathogens to control us. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything about like the existence of whether these things exist or not. But what it does mean is that they are going after one of our pillars of our immunity which is as you mentioned the psychological health psychological stress and i just kept on like over and over again during the COVID project i kept on like podcasting about it talking about it like if you're allowing yourself to get really stressed out and be in a state of fear, Mm -hmm. if you're glued to your screen all day, you're sitting right next to your writer router, new variant,
1: new variant.
2: Yeah. Bathing in EMFs and following the new variant. Like it's a new, like friggin' like Kendrick album, you know, like, Oh, the new one just (laughs) dropped. Like that is, you are, you're playing with absolute fire. Whereas the mentality of like, let's make sure that we give ourselves everything we need to be optimum, everything we need to thrive. So that includes the vitamins, the minerals, the diet. It also includes exercise. Um, I, I feel as though sunlight. Oh yeah. Sunlight and just taking care of our mental health, like positive mental attitude that is tremendously important. And that's something that I really experienced like firsthand, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to like tell someone something people have to experience things for themselves to really internalize it and when I was in like my deepest darkest depression that was when I was getting the most sick all the time I, I always felt like crap you know and I was eating the same food and, and everything and I was even mm-hmm. still exercising but I was just my I was I didn't feel optimistic I didn't feel hopeful I was in a pessimistic mind state and that just kept on manifesting in my body over and over. It was like my body was trying to tell me like, dog, (laughs) you know, this is going to continue to occur until you get, get this lesson. And that just, it can't possibly be overstressed in my mind. Like the importance of taking care when we talk about terrain theory, the entire terrain, which includes the psychological and the spiritual terrain.
1: Absolutely, bro. Like, like even like most, most people, Sit at home with their Wi-Fi router like a few meters or like twenty feet away from them. That's not okay. That's not nor that's not a normal state of being, right? So there's so many things. Uh, uh, and another one that that's too many people still are doing is people like have the lights on, normal lights on. Until the very moment that they turn them off and they go to bed like that. These things are completely unnatural. We're living completely unnaturally. Never mind the fact that, you know, we're um, most of us, you know, you either with wearing shoes or like you're on the first. I'm on the first floor here in our apartment. Like we're not on the ground most of the time. And I've got this thing here connected to my to my arm. It's supposed to like earth me. Right, so I have a couple of these, and I have an earthing sort of, um, like a like a little mat that we put on the on on the bed that's connected to the power line and is supposed to like do something. I'm not sure it's anywhere near the same as being on the beach and or on you know in the field. But um, what I do, for example, like one to two hours before bed, I've I've got I've got a couple of different pairs of uh, red lensed blue light blocking glasses and dude i like when i make a list let's say we're going on a trip or something like i have my most important things and my most important things be like you know toothbrush car keys like my red uh lensed blue light blocking glasses are like one of my top freaking things you know what i mean like but it's it's because I've educated myself about these things. So I have certain priorities, you know, like, for example, like when we go, if we were in a hotel room or something like that, the first thing I go in there is I find the damn router and turn the damn thing off, you know, (laughs) unplug the damn thing, you know, Uh, like, and, you know, one one thing that really uh, uh, pisses me off is like all of these like uh, air purifiers, all of these devices that have these like LEDs, like little blue LEDs. Like if you're sleeping in a room with like little lights like that, and you get up at night to go to the bathroom, like that blue light is messing with your melatonin it's messing with your circadian rhythm so like think about just if if you're if you're um if it's eight o'clock in the evening or ten o'clock in the evening and you go to bed, but now you've been messing with your melatonin production because there's too much blue light because you're on your phone without some filter between your eyes and <clears throat> let's not even get to the fact that your skin has photoreceptors like you're skin actually can perceive if it's light or dark so that's that's a whole other kettle of fish but you know you got to do something at least so anyway if you if you go to bed and you've messed up your melatonin like your your chances are that it's a, it's a hormone chances are you're not gonna sleep so well and <coughs> if you don't sleep too well you're gonna have a number of other hormonal issues uh, sort of downstream of that. You know, you're going to have too much cortisol at night that can mess you up, that can cause like uh, you to, to break down uh, muscle tissue because cortisol, is, that's, that's the, the purpose of cortisol and adrenaline, to break down muscle tissue, to quickly mm. mobilize, get some glucose going through gluconeogenesis so you can fight or flight or whatever you need to do. Mm. So then you wake up and then like your adrenals have been working over time and like you're... Yeah, it, it, it can just have so many downstream effects just, just being exposed to blue light at night, right? So that's just one thing. So we're, I think I, I guess if we want to talk solutions instead of just talking about problems, I think what we need to do uh, for folks listening is we just, as, as a species or as whoever whichever ones of us are awake to this, what we have to just do is start thinking how to live more ancestrally. And that is there. In there lies the solutions. For example, like I wake up in the morning and I I do some like, you know, red light. I have a red light. um, It's a red light and near infrared light. So I do some. I shine it on my face and my balls and my back. And it's it's good. It's it can the near infrared light can penetrate through the skin. Mm. So it's good for like your your uh, skin elasticity. It can um, it basically activates uh the mitochondria in the skin through this cytochrome c oxidase mechanism whatever the red light is good for your um skin as well for your eyes i blasted in in my eyes i also have a near sorry i also have an infrared light that i shine on certain areas that hurt a little bit you know getting old now so so this infrared light near-infrared light and red light is something that it's a nutrient right it's a it, light is a nutrient and we are deficient very badly most of us in this nutrient so when you're out in the sun you're getting uv light you're getting the full spectrum of light you're getting blue light but you're also getting near near infrared light infrared light and red light and these each of these things it's like um if you look at uh, a rainbow of different fruits and vegetables each of these fruits and vegetables will have different phytochemicals that trigger specific genes, or you know, activate certain genes, or have specific vitamins and other carotenoids, and so on. So it's the same with with the light spectrum that we get from the sun. So, like, I, I, I do this uh, light. I, I read my books or whatever, meditate, and then I get out with my dog for like 40 minutes or up to an hour, and we walk. I, I walk without a shirt. Even in the winter, and, and may, in Portugal, maybe one or two months out of the year, I have to wear a, sh- a t-shirt, but most of the time I'm like titties out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> shorts on, my dog is running around, she's black, so she's like after 30 minutes, she's like, pop, take me home, man, take me home, it's bullshit, <laughs> I can't do this anymore, but I'm, yeah. I'm loving it, bro, like you're getting no sunglasses, and you know, like this, I, I believe if people did like spent one hour in the sun direct in direct sunlight maybe 11 11 to 12 in the morning i think a lot of people will be will get happier will get uh healthier because we are we are literally missing nutrients it's if you think of it as if you think of light as a nutrient and here's another thing that has been research done in um folks that get a lot of blue light in the morning, like you, you get out, let's say you wake up, get out as quickly as possible into the daylight, even if it's a cloudy day, you're getting like thousands of times more light than you would at home with, with, with the brightest of lights. And that getting that blue light as early as possible in the morning will reset your circadian rhythm. So folks that do that, they actually sleep better at night, so they produce more melatonin in the evening. So I think you know, th- these are such, such basic things, and I I know they're not sexy. They're not like this crazy new nicotinamide, mononucleotide, these amazing new supplements. But I think it's free, you know. Like, and you already mentioned like yes. breathing, meditation, like like yes. with just breathing reeducation, getting out in the sunlight, grounding ourselves, bro. Drinking more clean water, like these things, can have profound effects already on us. And they don't get into the more technical stuff, like detoxing yourself, because that's also important. But you, you can't put the cart before the horse. I think.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I want to get into the, I want to get into the nitty-gritty of the de- detoxing mm-hmm. techniques mm-hmm. next. But I do want to just say, like, yes, amen. You know, getting back to our ancestral knowing, also. Having fun with it, you know, like that's the thing we can get so caught up in when you are, when you inform yourself about what's going on and you're always trying to optimize and stuff like that. Part of that is you have to be aware of what you're up against. You You got to know like what you're dealing with in terms of the environment, all that kind of stuff. And then you figure out solutions for it. I think that one, the missing part of the equation for many people is having fun with it, like view it as like, it's like, a it's like a hobby. It's you're like collecting nutrients for yourself. You're enjoying yourself going out in the sunlight, walking your dog tits out like that's enjoyable. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's a little bit cold outside. That's kind of brisk. That's gonna like wake you up. It's like, it's part of it It ties in with not taking oneself too seriously and remembering to laugh like i think that is so critical and essential as part of that um all all around terrain that we were discussing that psychological Mm. and uh spiritual terrain so yeah just like fantastic tips i think another aspect too is to not like necessarily beat yourself up if you can't you know make all these things happen or you know you you wake up one time and you catch an led light or whatever like there's this is not about like having guilt (laughs) you know so much of our uh mentality in the west is like framed by that judeo-christian guilt mentality where people start to like internalize all this thing it's like oh i fucked up all this kind of stuff Mm. but it's like it's nice to also have to understand why things happen so it's you know Sometimes people say like, oh, I just can't sleep. And it's just like this thing that just happens. It like comes down from the ether that I just can't sleep. It's like there's reasons for that. And there's things you can do to um, really assist that. Um, My best friend, friend of the show, Jonathan Glowacki right now, while he's listening, I know he's like hollering in agreement because he's got his his uh, blue blocker glasses on. Nice. He's, like, he's religious about that. He's oh, always yeah. telling me over and over um, and also breathing, breathing and the blue blocking glasses. So nice. shout out Jonathan. But yeah, I want to pivot now. Um, sorry, into, sorry. Uh, oh, uh, Raiden, yeah.
1: j- just about the sleep stuff, bro. I had this issue when I was um, about four years ago, let's say. And I was waking up at 3am for, for weeks and weeks. And only until I did a stool test for pathogens did I realize that it was because of parasites. So a lot of, there's you, you're absolutely right. There is always a reason if you're not sleeping. And two of the biggest reasons is people have parasites or something, some pathogen going on. And a lot of, some of these are like parasites, they're more active at night. They're actually more active um, around the full moon. So if you, if you have an itchy butt around the full moon well you know you got some parasite situation going on and um another one is actually surprisingly it's blood sugar dysregulation issues so like my wife actually she's she's had some h- horrendous insomnia um, after she gave birth she was doing the the breastfeeding thing at night and that really messed her up with our kid waking her up random times every night and it was literally every time every night it's random so that really messed up her nervous system but um she's been making a lot of progress on that and we've noticed is if she doesn't eat enough carbs in the evening time her she will wake up at night and she have issues falling asleep and that's the the reason is because when you're let's say your your liver you have your glycogen in your liver and it's kind of popping out glucose in the bloodstream to for the brain for everything else for the normal bodily functions if the liver starts kind of running a little bit low on glycogen it starts kicking in gluconeogenesis where it starts to break down protein or, or it uses protein and other bits and pieces to create glucose and uh, a signal for that is cortisol so it's the stress it's a stress response in a way so if you're waking up at night or you're having trouble falling asleep it could literally be are you eating enough carbs because I know a lot of folks now are on this kind of paleo carnivore keto thing and I, I, li- I like them all and they have their place but um I, I myself notice if I if I just have like a, a tablespoon of honey in the evening, you know, that can really help. And in the morning, like this morning, I went for an hour walk and then I came home and I had like two massive swigs of maple syrup. Like, uh, And there's nothing, n- nothing better to replenish your glycogen very quickly, like some honey or some, some maple syrup. And because I know, now I know after that walk... If I want to then like do some exercise, some push-ups a bit later on, or do some intellectual labor at the computer, I'm gonna feel like crap, and I'm not gonna to wanna to do anything. It's because your glycogen is low, and your 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 body is not in a state of abundance. You wanna to signal to your body mm-hmm. that you're in a state of abundance. You know what I mean? Because if I had just like a I had a pound steak, but if I had just had the pound steak, it I would still have felt shit for the next few hours while my my, you know, the neogenesis replenishes my my glycogen. Had I not had that maple syrup kind of before the, the steak, just kind of couple of. Yeah, no, of
2: that. that's 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 really helpful information. It's just it's so interesting how everything always ties back in together. Like we have a tendency in our society to mm-hmm. see everything as like linear. And we also have a tendency to see everything as being able like black or white, you know, feast or famine. And it's like. It, that di- the biodiversity of what you take in is so critical. You know what I mean? Like, yes, get the steak, but also get that maple syrup. Like, have an orange. Like, yeah. don't, I just think it's really valuable to not be overly dogmatic <clears throat> about anything, basically, because nature flows. Like, nature does not, you know, like, <clears throat> you see a river, a river like winds. And yeah. then the, you, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers will come in and they'll straighten out the river. Yes. And then the river will sicken and die because rivers don't want to be straight. You know, yeah. it's like that with our diet. Like if you just go on a Jordan Peterson diet and eat nothing but steak and salt for, you know, the next six months, you're not giving yourself like, it's that ancestral knowledge. Like you say, it's like, why, if you think about Folks living way back in the day, hunter-gatherer society. Why would they not get ga- it's hunt and gather? It's not,
0: yeah,
1: you know, yeah. and you're not just like,
2: eating the mammoth.
1: You, you know, yeah. And you won't be able to like go and kill a mammoth every week. Like sometimes, you know, the mammoths are too far. Now you, you have to like go like find. Tell fish. me about
2: it, bro. These mammoths. It's like herding hats. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So like uh, th- that's the whole point of, we, uh, again, we have to like put ourselves in the shoes uh that that's why it's worth a little bit of study how did our ancestors and i don't mean like gen, in a general way how did our ancestors live like how did your ancestors live how did my Ooh. ancestors live? so my like for example i i was lucky that i grew up um uh, i I was born in uh sofia in bulgaria but my uh my grandma's village was like 20 kilometers away <coughs> from sofia so i would be there and I would see her grow food and we had the goats there and, uh, and pigs and chickens. And, like one of my earliest memories is her just like putting her foot on a chicken's head and like chopping its head off, bro. And I, I felt no trauma. Like I, to this day, I, I'm like, you know, like I, even with like uh, some type of medicine that I take, I'm going back. And these, these, these things were just daily life. They never traumatized me. I had much more trauma just from shitty things like my... You know, family members would say then to see these like this is daily life and growing food. And so think about like, uh, like I, I, where I lived, what what grew there, what animals could be hunted, what, uh, you know, animals could be herded. And if you can do that for yourself, the, as the person listening, and stick to those foods that those folks ate and the, lived the way they lived, I think you're, you're, you know, you're, I think you're 50 to 80% of the way there in terms of optimizing health
2: it makes a lot of sense man it really does and it 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 comes back around to simplification smart simplification like not simplification just reducing everything down but getting out of your own way i'm constantly returning to this lesson with myself like just get out of your own way bro. you know what i mean like let let things flow um okay so at at the end of this conversation, we're going to tell folks a little radio teaser here. We're going to tell folks about this amazing course uh, that Christian has just unveiled. Um, But to kind of like set that up, I want to pivot now and talk about the world of detoxing. And I want to just kind of give listeners an idea of some of the stuff. You cover a lot of ground in your book, in your podcasts, and in your course. You cover a lot of ground. So, you know, we have maybe like Half an hour ish or whatever. I don't know how much time you have, but let's give listeners like a nice overview of um, some <laughs> these u- these more universal ideas for solution oriented what can we do to detox our bodies on a daily basis? What can we do to fight back against the you know dodge these fucking toxins out on these streets?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, look the, bro, this is I love talking about this stuff, and I, I think it's not the sexiest topic. And a lot of people might even roll their eyes listening to me talk about this stuff. And look, but look, like it might be common knowledge, but is it common practice? You know, this is what we have to ask ourselves. Yes, people know organic food, right, should be a staple. You need to either have distilled water or reverse osmosis water or some like, uh, you know, pristine spring water. These are your kind of your two main pillars you know uh for reducing the toxins that you ingest on a daily basis and that your family ingesting on a daily basis um uh, another thing is uh just having hepa air filters bro this is another tip that i I think people forget like having have a hepa air filter in each of your main rooms your bedrooms your uh, living room, your office, right? Like I've got one here. It's only a 4 watt unit or 3.8 watts. So I have it running all the time because it's quite small. Um, uh, So it's pushing, you know, air through the filter constantly because I have a lot of like storage stuff like plastics, dust and crap. And I don't clean off enough because it's a, it's a very low roof. So anytime I have to like do chores here, like I'm I'm like a quasimodo in the <laughs> in the cathedral, You're doing yeah. Crab, walk, crab yeah. walk with your dust yeah, in the yeah. corners. And like I, I told you my my I messed my backup um uh and then uh, last year I putting my kid in, in the car, I also like pulled a ligament really badly. So it's only now beginning to heal. So anyway, uh air filter is super important, right? So these are the basics, but like another thing is that you would think is a basic thing, but the amount of pro uh, personal care products people use, even like dude, like even my wife, it's such a sore spot for her. Like I can't even bring it up anymore because she just flies off the handle. She has several products that are not organic for her face and stuff. And and like I keep like I every week I'm like like ch- trying to like, oh, this study here for discover that uh endocrine disrupt, like and she's like, will you stop it? <laughs> <laughs> you know you just slide it into conversation like, all casual. Yeah, did you know that, that this here has, <laughs> has an endocrine disrupting? But um like like I know a lot of women and and, and not just women but like dudes are like with their colognes and their aftershades and you think these things are benign, but they're not. These things have endocrine disrupting uh chemicals in them, right? We're talking like dude, the, the only thing I use is from the organic store. I use um underarm sort of antiperspirant thing, and um, like I I use a, an electric shaver, so I don't use uh, shaving foam. I don't use after shave. Um, I don't use shampoo. I don't I don't actually use shampoo in my hair. I have like a, a from the organic store. I have like a body wash hmm. that I use a little bit of, and and like you know like I wash my hands like three three times a day with um with uh, just organic soap from the organic store mm-hmm. and then like we get some really high quality toothpaste with no fluoride organic ingredients or just like really good quality ingredients and they're usually like <coughs> two three two three bucks more if you go to iherb.com so toothpaste like you don't like when you think about the products like uh the average person uses it's you know face creams and, and and sun sunscreens which is like the most one of the most toxic things like i see here the jesus christ because it's a it's a tourist destination where we live south of portugal and i see these kids and just uh, these families like slathered with sunscreen bro and you just know because the shit they sell here is horrendous You know, it's it's a whole different story if you buy it like from a specific brand that you know do non-tox so like we have to absolutely reduce our use of of as much as possible of plastics. Anything in styrofoam, like if you get takeout food and it's hot, or if you're warming up things in plastic, that's a big no-no. You know, Mm -hmm. you're you're activating a lot of toxins. The fat in the food is what these toxins have an affinity to, the same way in your body, the same way like in, in animal products. So if you don't buy organic. And um, you know, you're getting a lot of persistent organic pollutants that have an affinity for fatty tissue for fatty fat and like they get in your body, they get stuck in the fat, and they're very difficult to excrete, right? So um to to help excrete that, I highly recommend people in instead of going like instead of going on, on your next holiday, just buy like a really nice little at-home sauna unit, you know. You can get them now for a few hundred bucks or, or a thousand bucks. There's some slightly more expensive ones, but having a, a, a sauna unit for your home is extremely important. And if you if you can't afford like a thousand bucks for a sauna unit, go to Amazon.com and get yourself three or four infrared lights, the, the light bulbs, and get some some fixtures that can, can handle that heat that that comes out of these, and just have a corner in your place. And ha- position these like two in the back, two in the front or something like that. And just have these blasting you for like 20, 30 minutes a day. And that is enough to actually get a sweat going. So this is like, hi, bro, you should do this as well. I, I have a video in my course um, talking about that. But I basically just explained it. You go to Amazon, they're $15, $20 for these light bulbs, infrared light bulbs. They usually use for like terrariums for your pet reptiles or whatever else. And um, yeah, so they... Do the job enough. If you position, again, like one pointing at your chest, one at your belly, one at your lower back, you know, whatever, something like that, just to get yourself sweating. You want to be sitting down, lying down in a quote-unquote rest and digest or parasympathetic state and have some sweat going at least two, three times a week for at least 20 to 30 minutes, right? This is one of the most sort of valuable tips i can give to people and i just i just gave you a solution on how to do it for like a hundred dollars or less right uh but this is super important because a lot of these toxins that are known as persistent organic pollutants pops so uh phthalates or, or organochlorine uh pesticides like ddt that's still around from the 70s even though it was banned in the 70s um PBDE so polybrominated diphenyl ether so uh these are things like um really rolls off the tongue it really just rolls off the tongue they are flame retardants and funny funny enough like I, I i you know we we went from pvc now people stopped buying pvc now you're buying like polypropylene uh polyethylene stuff but the pro- polypropylene totes i have for storage here they still have like flame retardants in them so you think you're you know, plastics, basically, we have to avoid them as much. But there's there's a ton of this stuff in inside us. There's a lot of these sort of, again, they're, li- like when I say lipophilic, I mean they're lipofat, philic-loving, so fat-loving. They have an affinity for, for our fatty tissues. So they're in our fats, and they're very difficult to make water-soluble, which is how the body detoxifies things. It It will activate, it will attach, like, some molecule to a toxin, it will act, that activates it, and then it will try to attach like the glutathione antioxidant or something else. So it tries to do that to create it in a shape that it makes it water soluble, so then it can be excreted. It's very difficult for these things to become water soluble, which is why they're persistent, right? That's why they're difficult to excrete. So the best bet you have to get them out of you is to just sit there, sweat. As as, as as long as you can comfortably sweat, as often as you can do it per per week, and towel off, towel off uh, as you as you're sweating, and then get in the shower and mm-hmm. rinse yourself off. But don't forget if you're gonna filter your water that you drink, you gotta do that obviously. Don't forget to go and spend fifty bucks on a shower filter. Mm. This is su- another thing most people forget i i guarantee most people's houses you go into they don't have a shower filter and this again for 50 to 30 to 40 to 50 to 100 bucks you can get a shower filter to get that chlorine out of out of your your water so these are some very basic things right and then i you can get a little bit more um more in depth but um uh, the basic gist of of it is you folks need to start remineralizing their body so a lot of people if Mm. if, when we run um various types of uh, nutritional status tests like hair testing you can see like the the levels are very very low from what these lab ranges that the labs have are from like some labs are, are working you know since the 80s and they can see that the the actual ranges for people are going down and down and down. So people are in kids, like newborns and everything, like they're super depleted. And these minerals, what can happen is, for example, zinc, if you're deficient in zinc, it you can take up more cadmium. If you're deficient in calcium, your body will take up more lead and and, and certain other toxic metals. If you're deficient in, in iron, another that's another thing that can predispose you to take up, more things. So when you start remineralizing your body, when you start adding zinc, selenium, uh, you know all, all of these things, manganese. First of all, some of some of these are directly in, involved in detoxification. Others are directly involved in the immune system, and mm. and so on and so forth. So you are adding things, and then the body starts to push the cadmium, the the mercury. For example, selenium. Taking selenium that directly can bind mercury it's also Mm. yeah yeah yeah. uh so i because i have uh four um mercury amalgams that i'm getting taken out in a couple of months time uh i've been taking selenium like a shitload bro just to kind of help to and i I notice i do feel i I have been feeling actually better like a more stable in terms Mm. of my 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 mind state taking more selenium but it, it has a lot of other benefits like again like so manganese selenium zinc uh, these are involved directly in the, the detoxification system, you know. So, it's very important, at the very least, to to get like a high quality <coughs> multivitamin that has good quality B vitamins and a bunch of these minerals. That's like that would be like a, a very very basic, simple baseline. And one one uh, brand I like is Doctor Mercola's multivitamin. That's not cheap, but it's high quality, you know. Because the last thing you want to do is spend like thirty bucks on some some <laughs> garbage. That's like the wrong forms of the vitamin uh, vitamins and minerals, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's a really big one. Getting the minerals in the body so that your body can start like uh, pushing out the toxins. You need energy and you need nutrients in order to detoxify things. And most people they might get they might be getting the energy in terms of calories, but the quality of those calories is a, a toxin. If it's a lot of sunflower oil, soybean oil, you know, sugar, like you're getting the calories but they're in a toxic form and if you're not getting enough nutrients the cofactors to support all the enzymes and like little bits and pieces well you're you're just you're you're going the wrong direction so you talked about the spectrum we're on the spectrum i actually have an idea for a book please if if anyone is listening don't steal my idea but i have an idea for a book called the spectrum of health and then we can think about on this end you know you're vibrantly healthy and perfect optimal health which is Difficult for most to achieve, if if not everyone. And then here on this side, you know, you're like uh, extremely debilitated. So in between is where you find yourself. And every meal, every drink you take, everything mm. you do either pushes you in this direction or the other direction. So the spectrum of health, you're either going in that spectrum or that spectrum. And don't forget you have entropy that you're fighting against at the same time. So you have a, the aging process, which itself causes oxidative damage and other damage that it does not get repaired as well. So that causes the aging. So you're fighting against that as well. So, you know, it's it's all about the every single choice we make on a daily basis. Not to say that you have to be a saint. Like we all have our, you know, things that we like to partake in and stuff like that. But, um, you know, if, if this is important to you, these are some good jumping off points.
2: Yeah, I love the way that you uh, collate information and present it. You present it in a very digestible Mm -hmm. manner, which I think is really nice because a lot of times you can get lost in the weeds on this stuff. And like you say, like... Christian we're talking to Christian there's like there's levels to it like you you got like you're like okay how uh, how technical how nitty-gritty do you want to get cuz you can get into the 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 words with so many syllables that you don't know what they mean but i just like how you you kind of describe things in a way that like my listeners people like myself that we can kind of understand um the so i want to talk about the uh, the air filter are yeah. are those like super expensive you said they're no. called hepa okay
1: hepa yeah high high efficiency particulate air purifier if you just type okay. in H E P A HEPA in Amazon HEPA filter. No, bro, they're they're like I mean everything has gotten more expensive in the last three right. years as we know. Um for my for a hundred to two hundred bucks, you should be able to get a unit that should should um should be good enough for like a, a normal living room or a normal bedroom. Okay. And for smaller spaces, fifty bucks you should you should still be able to find something.
2: And it's like, what, how do you put a price tag on your health? How do you put a price tag on the very air that you breathe? So I live in a big, dirty city, one of the dirtiest, one of the biggest, one of the dirtiest, and I live in the industrial district of it. So like, I know that when I'm out and about, uh, it's just pretty much unavoidable. You know, like I'm, there's trucks idling everywhere. There's there, I have a paper mill close. That's like, sometimes you go outside, it just like, smells like this bizarre, depending on which way the wind is blowing and stuff like that. So. I am going to be getting I'm going to be getting the air filter for my apartment and I also have a lot of house plants in my apartment I try to create I try to make my apartment like a little microbiome like a little Mm. oasis here in the desert is there anything or what what would you say to people like when when you're out and about in the city like out on the town when you can't avoid it like what can people do to mitigate uh, some of the air pollutants that they're taking in?
1: Oh Jesus Christ, <laughs> <clears throat> bro! You're by like, the way, sorry, I, dog, I, I, I um, yeah, it's like yeah. Um, listen, uh, Raven, I'm 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 sorry in advance to tell you this, but um, there was a study that they did in Phoenix, and people living in Phoenix. I, I was you heard me talk about this on Charlie's. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So basically, people living in Phoenix had a 15 percent. Chance of mortality, higher mortality for cardiovascular and a couple of other things. I, I I can I have it downloaded here. I can send it to you, bro. But my my um, my first thing I would I would um, there in my course I talk about there. I saw this on Amazon. There's this HEPA mask. It's pretty ugly, but I if it was me, like if I had to go to Lisbon and be out in Lisbon here for like a day or two. For 25 bucks, I'll get this mask. It's basically a HEPA mask. So you're breathing, <clears throat> when you breathe, you're pushing in the uh, the air through the <clears throat> the HEPA filter. Mm. So if I was like on a bicycle to get to work, I would wear something like this, bro. Like I used to live in Dublin, Ireland, which is a million, uh, 1.1 million, something like that. And I used to like get a, a bike uh, to drive it to the tram and then uh, I, I would you know get in the tram and then walk to the like de- depending on how, on different jobs i was working or i would walk in the traffic so i was biking cycling a lot and um have no, basically this information that uh, i cover in my course this is basically all the information i wish i had known like 5 10 15 20 years ago bro because I would not be doing so many, I would be doing so many things differently, right? If I was, yeah, if I was in Phoenix, bro, <coughs> I would, I would be doing sauna. I would get those for, first of all, if you're in traffic or if, if you're on, out and about in the city, the best thing I can tell you is just uh, breathe through the nose because you, the nose will filter more toxins. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of these small particles that just, they're, they're too small for even a HEPA filter to catch, right? They're under mm-hmm. 2.5 microns in size, so mm-hmm. there's not really much you can do. the 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 best thing you can do is just support your detoxification system by eating enough protein, getting the the vitamins, the minerals uh, that I talk about, and um, they're doing serious detoxes, bro. Like you have to, it has to become like a hobby, like the way you lift weights. Like let's say you do your 40-minute session of kettlebells or whatever. Uh, I would finish off sitting in in my. I would create a little corner in your wherever you do your weights with two, two, three, or four of these infrared lights, and I would just uh, sit there, finish off your session. Or when you wake up in the morning, when you do your meditation, just click the lights on, so you're you're meditating in your sauna, in your little kind of makeshift sauna. So I would start doing that, bro, on a daily basis because. Um, well, I mean, daily basis is ideal, but I know most people can't can do that. But if you can aim for like three, four, five times a week, I out, I, I would have to, I would, say, I would say that's one of the the most important things, bro. You know.
2: Yeah, and that, that I know a lot of a lot of listeners live in like big dirty cities. You know what I mean. I just always think about that, like how we can. How we can help to mitigate these things? It's so funny. You're, <laughs> I'm gonna have one of these HEPA masks, and then I'm gonna run into like people in the truther community. They're gonna be like, "Oh, you really bought the propaganda, didn't you?" I'm like, oh, "It's a HEPA. It's a HEPA." I'm like yelling it through the
1: mat. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
3: that,
1: that guy really, really, really bought into it. That guy's not going. That guy listen is, on so, the
0: podcast.
1: That guy from like six boosters and sixteen super boosters. <laughs> um, but listen, so, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it's important to not nocebo people right but i also think that we can't bury our head in the sand right so i love you bro but because i love you i have to tell you the truth right um but i also know that the the you know you you don't want to like frighten people and because like that alone that stress can be immunosuppressive just as an example right but um these these, (coughs) the excuse me the one of the the most deleterious things from air, tra- uh, from pollution, from um, uh, exhausts and stuff, is the diesel exhaust particles. So, they 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 have immunosuppressive properties on certain immune cells, right? So, that means that when you breathe the stuff in it enters your body, it can actually damage or inhibit certain immune cells that can cause a, a, a an Im- immune imbalance that can predispose you to you know getting sick more often, um and, and like taking longer to heal from from this, that and the other. So when when we when there's nothing we can do about um where we live then we have to really double down on the other things that I mentioned. So, so supporting our detoxification system. And I cannot stress this enough that eating enough protein, high quality protein is super important because a lot of, you know, you might hear, you know, plant foods, they're full of antioxidants, stuff like that. It's, it's a little bit of a misnomer. They, a lot of these things, they cause you to upregulate antioxidant enzymes, But those antioxidant enzymes in the liver, they are chiefly made of amino acids um, or or a number of those antioxidants. are. So a lot of uh, most enzymes are mainly made of protein, amino acids, and they have some cofactors like uh, vitamins and minerals. But like glutathione, the master antioxidant in our cells, that is actually the thing that conjugates um, toxins that have been activated by phase one. In phase two, detoxification, this glutathione, uh, sometimes we use taurine, we use glycine, uh, occasionally we can even use glutamine. These are all amino acids. And these amino acids, the best source of those is animal proteins, you know, meat. Uh, Obviously, liver is a good source of various uh, nutrients as well as protein. Um, So meat, eggs, dairy, things like that, high-quality, pastured, uh, stuff like that. Oh, it has to be high quality, of course, because you don't want to be taking more toxins. But you know, it clearly goes against the whole uh, 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 of what we're trying to achieve here. So the the I cannot stress, and I, I I honestly have to like repeat myself because this is where I think a lot of people uh, health issues are coming from people are not eating enough protein because there's a lot of propaganda that protein now can cause cancer or you eating too much protein it's absolute bullshit i mean yes uh, in whatever experiments they did with like worms or whatever yes they they could could have done it but um you're much more likely to like break a leg and like die of osteo penia and, um, you know, like injure yourself and whatever else, because of loss of muscle mass as you age, that then you're going to get, um, you know, cancer. Uh, and it's also the, a big factor is the quality of the protein, right? So anyway, most people should be trying to get about a gram of protein per pound of body mass, right? So you're talking about every day? Yeah. Yeah. On average. Yeah. Yeah, so it's actually not not as easy as you would think. But um, when you think about it, like your 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 skin, your eyes, your hormones, your uh, enzymes your, that you digest things with, like like cells, like most of most of the stuff in your body is made from protein and 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 a little bit of some sugars, like DNA that has some some sugars, ribose, whatever. And uh, fats, so high quality fats are obviously important because they make up cell membranes and stuff like that. And you need cholesterol for uh, sex hormones and stuff like that. But a lot of like this thing that you see, that's okay, a lot of it's water, but a lot of that is protein, right? So we are constantly, when when you're under a lot of toxic burden, you're constantly using these antioxidants, which again, glutathione, that's glycine um, glutamate and cysteine, right? So these three amino acids make glutathione, which is the master antioxidant of your cells. And this is the most powerful antioxidant we make. And this is what does a lot of clearing out of, uh, heavy metals, uh, uh, toxic chemicals, including bacterial toxins. It's used in the immune system. So if you want to support your, if you want to support your detoxification system, you want to support your glutathione production. And I talk a lot about this in my course and my podcast and everywhere because it's in my book as well, because this is one of the most important things people have to understand. And to support glutathione, you need to either eat enough protein or take the precursors for glutathione, which you, if you go to like something like iHerb.com, you can get glycine, the amino acid, and you can get um, N-acetylcysteine, or you can get preformed glutathione, reduce glutathione which is a bit more expensive and uh, I, I prefer to just like take NAC and acetocysteine and glycine. This these two like as soon as like let's say I, I do an organic acids test on, on a on a client and they are showing that their glutathione is close to the top of the range which means that it's it's deficient. The marker for glutathione is close to the top of the range meaning that it's deficient. As soon as I see that, that those are the, the the two supplements I recommend. To be honest with you, most people that have some type of health issue have more often than not have a deficiency in this very important antioxidant. So these are these are the things I would recommend people look into. Cool.
2: Yeah, I actually saw I follow uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits her newsletter, and one mm-hmm. of her newsletters she was talking about uh, dimethylglycine. Um, which is
1: Dimethyl. that? Oh, I, I okay. Guess yeah, like a that form dimeth- of
2: that, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the precursor, like, like so, you were saying.
1: So there's dimethylglycine and there's trimethylglycine, and it's it's. A, I think it's a little bit easier to find uh, the trimethylglycine. And I take that, bro. I take that every day. It's also another good one uh, because it has other benefits because of the methyl groups, and these methyl groups can be used. In detoxification but in a lot of other stuff like if you have like this genetic defect that i said i had mthfr taking uh methyl donors like trimethylglycine or dimethylglycine helps to kind of run those pathways the methylation pathways that's another good one but like you can get you can get quite um advanced with this stuff but um uh, i'll just like Giving out the basics, so uh, n cysteine and glycine. Then you can get more. Te- you can get more um, advanced. You can take like alpha lipoic acid. You can take trimethylglycine. But you before you get into those, you have to be doing the basics. So uh, B vitamins, uh, zinc, calcium, magnesium, selenium, and uh, th- these are just your. It's like um, it's it's like you have to know the The alpha, what analogy to use? You have to basically walk before you can run. So uh, the the basic nutrients, like zinc, calcium, you know, the the vitamins, minerals, these will be like your your basics. And then your N-acetylcysteine and your glycine, that will be kind of the the next level. And then, you know, you can do trimethylglycine, alpha lipoic acid. You can then start doing specific targeted support for, let's say you have like, brain fog or like you you feel like you you, your mind is not what it used to be then you can use like nootropics type stuff for example i have here sunflower lecithin which Mm. is a source of phosphatidylcholine and a bunch of other stuff and this phosphatidylcholine is used uh for like cell membranes in the brain and it can help you kind of like restore uh the damage there and you can you can take it very far but um yeah those those would definitely be the, the the first things to look into
2: and uh, of course, you know, let your food be your medicine. So, you know, maybe you don't have money or you don't have the <laughs> patience to be acquiring all these different supplements. But my understanding is something like organic beef liver has a lot of this stuff, like right there. Oh, yeah. Am I correct? And, you know, so and like with zinc, for example, like a lot of, one mistake I made, because people always say like, gotta get your zinc, gotta get your zinc. And then I was taking zinc and making myself sick because it's actually a metal. Like when you're just taking like too much zinc on an empty stomach or something like that, like you're, that's the other aspect of it is like you, I I don't believe you need like a ton of zinc. You just need enough zinc. So I think that's why maybe it's ideal to try to get it through through the food because it's kind of a little bit packaged better for your body.
1: Oh, for sure, man. For sure. Like food is the best thing. For example, choline, you you can get choline from eggs and liver like i every few days i'll just drink like four, three or four raw eggs uh that's a good source of b vitamins choline some zinc in there beef liver chicken like i i can't really find organic uh beef liver here but we buy organic chicken liver and it's like super cheap actually it's like 5 6 bucks for like three or four little livers some necks mm-hmm. a few hearts two two or three hearts which is a great source of coenzyme q10 and um uh zinc the uh liver is a good source of copper there's a bit of zinc in there and a bunch of like most nutrients are in liver so uh, that's a superfood. This is like nature's multivitamin. I try to eat liver two three times a week you know i actually I had liver this morning and yesterday, so um you know this is one of those things where you have to just like if you can't find good uh you know grass fed pastured liver products. Go to like, a, look for like a good company that does desiccated organs.
2: Yeah, that's uh, one thing. I, I am blessed. You know, there's there's pros and cons wherever you are. And luckily, I do have access. There's a lot of really awesome organic local butcher shops oh, awesome. around Phoenix. Um, what do you think about, I, for, I went on a kick, I think it was a year and a half or so ago. On uh, my, my buddy was, first he was telling me about fermented liver, also known as high liver. Yeah. And then I started eating raw liver as well. And I have to say that like I did feel high, especially when I really? did the ferment liver. I, I did it was like a drug. It was wild. Wow. It was like <laughs> colors were brighter, and I was just like, "Whoa, dude!" Like I know I'm microdosing, but this is like a little extra. But then what happened was, I think <laughs> I have a tendency to go kind of hard in the paint, and I uh, I I got sick. Like I got really sick. It wasn't. It was like a fever where my body just like had. It took like twenty four hours but I was like running a really high fever, and then I was okay and i I kind of like took my foot off the gas on um, what are your thoughts on raw or fermented uh, meats and
1: organ meats so i I was doing raw carnivore for a while, and what happened then is one one day I was just I kind of had like a fever situation myself and that's when some some health stuff gradually started happening, and it was when I ran that stool test on myself. That was tw- early 2019, I think. That's when I saw I had a couple of parasites, mm. so I stopped eating raw. Um, after that, I, I, occasionally, like if if I defrost liver, because I buy a few batches of a few packs, I put it in the freezer, and if I defrost it. I can sometimes take some raw liver and eat it. No problem with that. If you want to eat raw raw meat, you definitely want to keep it in the freezer for like 2 weeks because that will kind of kill off parasites and stuff like okay. that. Okay, that's a great uh, tip. Yeah, so that th- that's that's what I recommend doing and I I do feel like um certain certain B vitamins are definitely heat lab, labile or whatever that word is. So when you cook something, you're—it's it, a trade-off, you know. Like you, yes, you—you're you're killing potential pathogens, but w- w- with a lot of these B vitamins, you, you are reducing—you're um, uh, you're denaturing certain things, certain proteins. So it's—that's why I try to never overcook my foods, especially my meat, right? Um, but again, in the middle of the liver, when it's not overcooked, you know, you're gonna get B vitamins in, in there as well. But so. High liver. I've considered trying it. I was following some carnivore guys. Uh, I just honestly don't have the balls, you know. After that incident with uh, the the parasites, because I had yeah. I had Giardia and um, I had Blastocystis hominis, which is actually a protozoa that can travel. Apparently, it can travel up your uh, bile duct and go into your liver, right? Ugh. So it can. Camp out in your liver. That's why um, uh, uh, um, the, 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 my mentor on the functional diagnostic nutrition course, when he, when we were reviewing my stool test results, he, that's when he introduced me to the liver gallbladder flush. He said, you might want to do a couple of gallbladder flushes because some of these parasites can't camp out either in the gallbladder or the liver. So, um, again, freeze freeze the meat for a couple of weeks and then it's no problem. Um, high liver. One day I would, I would try for sure. I I I'm I'm very much into fermenting stuff. Like a a big fan of like sauerkrauts and kimchi, doing them myself, and like carrots and stuff like that. And I I've I've got a few I've got a few things on my balcony there that definitely have their own ecosystem at this point that I should probably like release into the wild. But but the high the <laughs> high liver, bro. I don't know. I don't know. Like you gotta have balls for that as well. And you got
2: to know what you're doing too. So when my buddy who really like, he's been doing the high liver for a hot minute, he's got the whole technique down. He uses very specific equipment. He knows exactly how to do it. When he gave me his stuff, that was when it was like all good. I was just like feeling like a million bucks. Like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. Colors are brighter. And it was when I tried to ferment my own that I got the fever. Now, I don't know if that was necessarily what caused it, but I do know that I think this is important too to touch on. Fevers are just your body. That's like your body taking care of business. You know what I mean? Like fevers, I... They're, they they kind of suck, I guess, and they can be kind of like intense, but that's like a blessing in a way because when you're having a fever, that means your body is taking care of business. It is I, I getting would, rid of shit.
1: I would add, though, that you may want, if you've never done a parasite cleanse, you may want to do a parasite cleanse just prophylactically. I I do uh, a couple of times a year since, since 2019, a couple of times a year in the spring and in the autumn, I do... um Basically, like, a, it depends on, on on a lot of factors because I've already done a massive cleanse after I saw the parasites that I had. Um, so that was, like, a massive, like, three, four months type of protocol. And then I followed it up in the autumn with, like, a two-week kind of uh, uh, mini protocol. So I do, like, two, three weeks, one to one, three weeks uh, twice a year just to kind of, if there's something overgrowing, because I had a lot of candida and I had a few other opportunistic pathogens, and this biotic bacteria. Um, so just in case something is overgrowing, you want to just kind of knock it down and give a chance for your your um, commensal microbiota to crowd out the other guys. You know, because they compete for nutrients, for food, for space. So sometimes you just need to like uh, kill a few pathogens with some herbs, with some high dose probiotics, and then let the other guys kind of take over the space. So they, they're not getting bullied around by the other guys.
2: Okay, word. And I, uh, you talk about, um, in your course, you talk about how you can do a parasite cleanse, I believe, and how I cover, you can do... Yeah. yeah,
1: I cover an hour or so on the gut because having a healthy gut is, is incredibly important for proper detoxification and elimination because if your gut is leaky, inflamed and so on, then a lot more toxins are going to be able to get through you know, those gaps between the intestinal cells. So I just cover um, some of the mechanisms of autoimmunity, why, you know, what dysbiosis is, what, what intestinal permeability is, why it's important to not let that happen. And just some, I cover some supplements for gut health. I cover basically my my twice a year protocol that I just mentioned. Uh, what I do, the, the basic gist of it, and then, you know, just just some bi- basic things like that. But um, uh, I, I feel like the gut is another important area, so I will probably do another course on the gut specifically to be not as comprehensive as this course, to be maybe four or five hours. But I feel like I'm getting a lot of, lately, a lot of um folks are coming to me with gut problems, so I feel like, oh, it's another massive area where people need help, bro.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, how are you doing on time? You got like 10, 15 more uh, minutes?
1: Or... Bro, I, I'm pretty good, bro. I'm pretty good. Yeah. Okay,
2: cool. Um, uh, before we, uh, I want to let everyone know about uh, how they can get your course and a little bit more about the course. But I do want to touch on um, the gallbladder cleanse before we we get to that. So I was listening to uh, your interview on Charlie Robinson's podcast. You're talking about the gallbladder cleanse and something. It, I always pay attention to little synchronicities or my intuition. My intuition was telling me, like, pay attention to this. Oh, oh. This is important, <laughs> and uh, so I just wanted to ask you a little bit. Uh, talk about what is a gallbladder cleanse and why is it so important?
1: Right. So the you can call it a number a number of different things. So it's called the the gallbladder flush, the liver cleanse, the liver gallbladder flush, or the liver gallbladder cleanse. But basically, what what this is, it's a it's a six day process where you take malic acid in the form of either apple juice or a malic acid supplement that you can buy online. And the first five days is your prepar- preparatory phase. And you just you just kind of try to eat a, a light, clean diet during these five days. Try to avoid things like alcohol, coffee, um, sodas, <clears throat> you know, fried foods, dairy. Um, and you basically you what the malic acid does is it softens the gallstones in your gallbladder and your liver and if you think you don't have gallstones oh only sick people have gallstones well i got news for you right <laughs> um like i got news for you uh basically the the, the reason and I, I'm actually, I'm gonna try and do like a presentation, like a five-10-minute presentation on this, just to kind of elucidate it more um clearly, and that'll be on my website at some point. But um just, just to kind of summarize why I believe most people have gallstones in their liver. So the the liver, the liver cells, the hepatocytes, they create uh, bile. <clears throat> that bile is kind of being secreted, and some of that goes into the gallbladder, and it uh, gets stored there, like uh, an ounce or two, gets stored in the gallbladder. But you create during the course of a day. Uh, I think it's up to like up to like a liter of of uh, bile, you know.
2: Wow, I didn't yeah. know we made that much of it. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, I think I think last time I looked. Uh, in the last week it's like 600 to a thousand milliliters a day Damn. um and here's the thing so bio is not only um there so most many people know that bio is used to emulsify fats to help us digest fats but bio is also um um uh, uh, it's an antibacterial right so it it also helps to sterilize uh food that's in the small intestine so if something goes so if something goes into the stomach, but then some bacteria survive the hydrochloric acid of the stomach and they get into the small intestine, the bio is there as like a second line of defense and so it has. It, 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 as a quick aside, I believe this is where a lot of people's gut problems are also coming from. You've heard that uh, recently, the, the last you know, 10, 15 years, there's been a lot of CIFO and SIBO, uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and small mm-hmm. intestinal fungal overgrowth. And this is a fairly recent phenomenon, in, in, at least in terms of its uh, recognition in the kind of medical slash scientific community. But I believe this is where, uh, this is a, a key piece of the puzzle of why people's guts are so messed up. The bile is supposed to, you know, get down these like tiny little bile ducts and then to larger bile ducts and it gets secreted through the common bile duct into the, you know, into the small intestine. Now, I already mentioned what bile is used for. It has another function. It has other functions, I'm sure, that I haven't looked into too deeply. But another function is I mentioned that we have this phase two detoxification where we take the transformed toxin during phase one detoxification and we conjugate it with with the glutathione molecule. This now makes it water soluble and quote unquote, inert so that we can excrete it. And a common way for that to get excreted is into the bile Mm. and the bile now goes down either into the gallbladder or into the small intestine. So if, if you have toxins that are conjugated in the bile, uh, they they go down the small intestine. But the, at the end of the <coughs> excuse me, at the end of the small intestine, we have bio recirculation. Up to 95 percent of the bile gets recirculated by the body. Because it's trying to conserve resources the problem is a lot of these toxins get recirculated back so they it's like a like a, a loop for example methyl mercury I believe it was there's various kinds of mercury, but methyl mercury up to or more than seventy percent of methyl mercury gets recirculated back through this bile this enterohepatic circulation so the intention of the body is to uh, stick the toxins in the bio the bio eventually you know goes into the small intestine then goes into the large intestine and then forms the stool and then we poop it out that's the intention but because of this mechanism of recirculating bio to recycle it a lot of these toxins are recirculating so I I, I be, this is where I'm kind of speculating a little bit I believe why uh, most people have these stones and it will only take you to do like a couple of gallbladder flushes to actually see the evidence in your toilet. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, any client of mine or, or friend or family member that's done it has seen stones, right, of various different colors. Um, so these, so these, uh, I believe what what could be happening when when the when it goes in when the bile goes into the um, small intestine, these. Uh, Toxins, they kind of coagulate or they create these stones. So it's like a almost like a defense mechanism for the body, where it kind of creates a stone, you know, like um, uh, like the way we sequester things in fatty tissue or whatever else. So it's like you it, you kind of package it up and and put put it out of the way in a way. So it's not like recirculating or getting in that damaging other tissues or other cells. So the problem is when these stones are in the liver, they can block the those um, bile ducts those tiny little bile ducts where the bile is supposed to flow down into okay. the small intestine now what can happen then is the bile gets the bile flow gets obstructed and the small stones become bigger stones but we also don't have enough bile making its way down into to help digest our food so people not digesting food very well small intestinal bacterial overgrowth small intestinal um, fungal overgrowth and so on and so forth right so i believe so that's kind of the mechanism how these stones get formed and i believe this is like a big reason why folks are having a lot of digestive and gut stuff and i notice myself after i do a gallbladder flush um the i definitely digest food much better my stool is of a much nicer color you know there's it should be like a kind of like a brownish sort of color it definitely, it looks better, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like everything, and I know it's not the sexiest topic, but you know these are very important things for, for one's health, you know? This is what
2: you come to the BMP for, folks. Multicolored gallstones and the, <laughs> the hue you want to see in your stool. This is this yeah, is good stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you, you shit easy, yo. You shit easy. it's No, it's, <laughs> the, the, these are super important things. Like, dude, like when, when we had our dog, when we adopted our dog and we had our baby, like the, the first few weeks, the, the the thing we were most obsessed with was their poop, because our, our, our dog had a lot of parasites, these, like big ass white worms. Oh, it was disgusting. And yeah. our, you know, with a kid, you want to make sure they're pooping. But this is like one of the most important things. You know, you know how they say, yeah, uh, death um, was it? Death begins in the colon. All disease begins in the gut. It kind of is true. So you were this, although this is um, a procedure that will help you to, you know improve the function of your liver which is the second most complex organ after the brain in the body and it's involved in everything in like in in like breaking down hormones and like f- uh digest digestion or assimilation of food and just like the liver is so incredibly important for for everything and if you can improve the function of your liver not only will your detoxification systems work better but your overall body like just all you have to do is go online and read positive reports from people that have done like a few gallbladder flushes you will just like be like okay well this can't all be like woo bs i have to like I, and i think the people that are ready for it they'll be like oh this, this is like i i need to do this absolutely yeah i i
2: believe you Pay attention to that little intuition, that little inner voice are, you know, there's, there's a mysterious aspect to all of this stuff and we will be guided
0: to, you
2: just say, we're going woo now, we're going full, but we will. There's certain ways in which, you know, you'll be guided to like certain information, certain people will come into your life when you need to, you know, people will listen to this episode when they need to hear it, that all Mm -hmm. that type of stuff, it plays into it. Uh, Really quick, before we wrap up, what do you think about like, um, there's a lot of hype on certain foods that are like uh, renowned as sort of um, excellent at helping the body to, to get rid of toxins. Like for example, I've heard seaweed, I've heard cilantro and I've heard parsley. Um, is there any truth to that, that these things I've heard, this is what I've heard on the street. Cilantro helps, to, uh, helps with, it can cross the blood brain barrier and it helps to detox your brain and seaweed supposedly can help with like heavy metal toxins and stuff. What do you think about that?
1: Um, I'm, I've actually I've got some research that I'm I'm still going through. I'm gonna add a f- some videos to the course um, on the the best research plant foods that can support phase one and phase two detoxification. From what I understand, cilantro, I think it can chelate meadows. I I honestly don't know much about um I don't know much about uh. To be honest, I'm more of a I'm more like if if you had to like ask me like what diet what if i had to pick one diet to to live with for the rest of my life it probably would be the carnivore diet so i'm i'm more i'm more um digging into like the amazingness of the amino acids so each of these so for example like you know meat products um or or, uh, or animal products like they have carnitine they have um which is you can't find it in the plant world. They have coenzyme Q10. They have uh, creatine, uh, taurine, which is a, an amazing amino acid that can do a, a ton of different things. It's uh, heart protective. So uh, regarding these plant foods, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm, I'm not done enough research, but from what I, I I understand, I believe a lot of the beneficial mechanisms from a lot of these foods, for example, turmeric. Cur- the curcumin in the turmeric, it's it initially acts as a pro-oxidant, which causes you to upregulate these detoxification enzymes in the body. Right, so hmm. it's like the the <clears throat> the effect of hormesis, which is basically like exercise, sauna, cold exposure, even like a, a small amount of alcohol, which is technically a poison. It, through the hormetic effect, it's the, the principle of what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. So exercise again, heat, uh, cold exposure. So these foods, they seem to activate genes or enzymes or uh, cause genes to express enzymes that upregulate our detoxification machinery. So I'm, I'm sure some of these sp- have specific mechanisms that they can chelate certain things, or they can inhibit certain things, uh, or can, they can upregulate certain things in the cells. But it's just an, a, a massive rabbit hole that I'm yet to, you know, go down down into.
2: Hell yeah. Yeah. And, that, you know, everything complements other things, you know, like with the, the biodiversity of the media we consume and the biodiversity of the information we consume. Um, I do really feel that, your work provides an amazing foundation to really start. And it's the way that you put all the information together. It's the way that you present it in a way that morons like myself can actually understand. Ah, come on, bro. You don't have really to like... have like a PhD or some shit. And I, I Wait, just- I, I... Thought
1: you, I thought you had a pretty huge dick. What?
2: <laughs> Wait,
1: is we this like the 13 show?
2: <laughs> You're like, I, you had to get one in before the end. I love it. <laughs> Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i you can censor that one out jesus christ no nah, you can say whatever you want this is the this is the barbarian lair man this is like we're around the fire you know we just slaughtered the mammoth that. and we're just freaking shooting shooting the shit and talking story over here so there are no mm-hmm. boundaries uh on the barbarian noetics podcast but um so yeah so i want to i want to let folks know you know they've, they've heard you speak you've given a lot of amazing good information this universal knowledge people are going to want to go deeper they're going to want to hear you know your book i can't stress this enough is fucking awesome um I, Thank I, you, christian sent me the pdf when he reached out to me and i was just like blown away like th- this is an amazing resource you, and uh so anyway so tell folks a little bit about this course and uh, how they can go about getting it and then we'll we'll give folks the coupon code as well
1: yeah, well, it's the course is I basically gave all the best information from the course, so <laughs> y'all don't need to get it. Just re-listen to this. <laughs> no, it's the course is like thirty. At, at this point it's 13 hours of uh video of me just talking about everything. Uh basically the way I frame it is this is the most infor- the most important information you need to know. There's a lot of other information you could know and you may eventually, you know, come to know but this is the most important information you need to know and so i covered the basics what 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 is a toxin why are toxins bad you know what are the mechanisms what are the you know immunotoxic neurotoxic endocrine disrupting mitochondrial toxicity all the effects of these toxins right so it's a little bit of a crash course in that um sense where you you will understand why it's so important because i feel like when you, when you understand why you need to do, it's it's like in my my autism book. The first half of the book I explain what are the health issues that these autistic children are suffering from based on the uh, clinical and scientific evidence, um, and then the second part is all the th- the things that parents should do. So the way I frame it there is. If I don't tell you what the problem is that we're trying to solve, all of these things are going to seem very excessive to you. You know, like organic diet and all these supplements and toxin reduction. So the, it's the same way with this course. It's I I I, I basically give you the problem. Uh, this is the problem. This is what to, uh, toxic exposure, if left unchecked over a long enough period of time, can cause or contribute to including everything from alzheimers to autoimmunity to you know dementia to everything basically cancer jesus christ just they can't you can't name one thing that toxins are not implicated by by this time and the thing is that you have to remember that <clears throat> um, very little research is actually being done because who's who's going to want to sponsor this research certainly not the companies creating they certainly not the the agencies that are covering up for these companies' uh, atrocities right so anyway the then I cover the basics uh, air, uh, reducing toxic exposures from air water food personal care products um, and then we get into the more advanced stuff so the supporting so that that's pil- so the, I, I call it three uh, the three pillars the, the first pillar is reducing toxic exposure. You have to turn off the tap. Uh, second pillar is you have to support your body's innate de- detoxification system. And then you have to purge the existing toxins in your body. So mm. the the rest of the course covers um, how to support what kind of diet and supplementation program will support detoxification. So we cover the supplements, the diet, um, uh, a number of other things. Then we cover Modalities. Which you can use to support uh, purging of, of existing toxic burden. There's a module on gut on the gut. There's a module on testing for toxic exposure if you're so inclined. Some folks need hard evidence uh, before they actually do something about it. You know, which to be honest, at this point after the conversation we've had, I I, I hope you don't you don't need convincing that this is something you need to take seriously. You know. And then there's also I have another module on basically we pretend that basically it's, it's how to support the genes that are uh, you um, the genes that are utilized in methylation, inflammation, oxidative stress, and um, detoxification. So I, I covered the basic uh, the most common sort of genes that have been uh, studied and how to support their function whether or not you have polymorphisms in those genes so that's kind of the the gist of it and there there will be more stuff coming along and um, every with every purchase every person will get a 45-minute complimentary consultation with me where we can discuss either some health goals you have if you need specific tips on how to navigate the course, or we can do a little bit of diet, lifestyle, supplementation analysis, and I can give you a few pointers. Um, So I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of value there. And the course, again, it's the way I see it, it's more of an investment, you know, because there will be more uh, information coming. I've got more videos planned, more lectures planned. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, there's so many layers to it. You can start with the food first if that's if you don't eat organic yet but if you do well maybe you need to focus on supporting your diet to support detoxification if you once you've done that maybe after three four months of implementing it slowly and gradually then you may want to like refer back to how to support uh toxin reduction with other modalities and again there will be much more coming in the in the coming months so again it's an investment
2: yeah and just to reiterate i mean that. That offer that whoever buys the course gets that 45 Mm. minute consultation with you. First off, that's awesome. It's a very generous offer. I think it also shows just like the kind of person you are, man. Like you're in this for the right reasons. More and more, I'm coming back to the question of like, what are we actually here for? You know, you can get so caught up in metrics of like success. Of course, there's survival too. Like survival is a thing. We all have to pay the bills, we all have to keep a roof over our heads. But it's like, what are we actually doing here? And what we're actually doing is connecting with one another. We're trying, we're, we're taking matters into our own hands. And you're someone who's doing this for the right reasons. And, you know, you're someone who you're, you're going to, ed- acknowledge if you don't know something, you're going to say, you know, I need to do more research on this stuff. You're going to say, I'm speculating here. I'm not speculating here. You have so much scientifically based knowledge and you're absolutely correct. Like Mm. there's lots of forces out there that don't want this information to get put out or don't want this research to get done. And, you know, uh, mathematics doesn't lie, but statistics do. So anytime you're reading about studies and stuff like that, it's very easy to warp studies and contort studies if you want to get a certain, and so much of like the big money and the, the captured agency studies, they basically tell the, the people like, look, this is what, this is the results we want. So whatever you need to do yeah. to make this happen, you know? So it's like, yeah, you inject a, a macaque monkey with like 45 pounds of pure liquid bison protein and the monkey fucking explodes. And then it's like, bison proteins bad for you. You got to eat crickets crickets only for days you will eat the bugs but yeah so <laughs> i just think it's important it just shows the kind of person you are man it's a really nice offer that 45 minute consultation i'll tell
1: you nothing gives me more joy bro than working with people and helping people just get better man like it's so badly needed man it's so badly needed bro and i uh, thank you for for helping me to share this work man we really appreciate it raven
2: Oh, absolutely. And uh, we're going to have the link in the description to pick up Christian's course. Listeners of the Barbarian Noetics uh, podcast, put the coupon code in, you get 30% off, plus the consultation. So... Just something to really consider. And uh, man, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today, Christian. I've, I've learned a lot. I'm going to re-listen to this shit. We listen to it on three times speed. So Christian, like, hey. you're going to die in Phoenix.
1: Jesus. <laughs> i to skip over that part. Raven. <laughs> Just yeah, just uh, censor that part out um, before before you publish it. And thank you so much, bro. This was really fun. I, I just love your energy and like we really. I feel like we have a great uh, sort of flow. And um, bro, I'm really looking forward to sort of um, being a part of your journey with doing some of these gallbladder flushes, bro. I like. I want you to know you can text me anytime on Telegram and just, if you have any questions, I know I have two hours on this, on the gallbladder flush, but if any other questions arise, just let me know. I would love to help. This is like, like I remember my mother was here um, s- several months ago and she she did her first one at the age of like 61 or two. And she, she told me that something, when she did the flush, uh, the next morning, something hit the toilet that was, she said like, this size so uh, i guess close to close to two inches in length something like that hit she said something hit the the bottom of the toilet bowl like you know like something like that (laughs) like imagine just imagine how long that has been there you know so i'd love to be a part of you know this journey with you and uh Man, if you can get some pictures, we can put them on the website. It oh, I'm epic. gonna
2: try to capture the audio of the shit hitting the bottom <laughs> of the bowl, and then I'm gonna mix it in. I'm gonna do EDM mixes with it and shit like that. It's gonna be
1: awesome. <laughs> awesome, awesome. We could do um, we could do a remix on that.
2: <laughs> it's gonna happen. Before you get out of here, Christian, uh, let folks know how they can find you on the interwebs and uh, let folks know about your podcast and all that good stuff.
1: Thank you, brother. Uh, christianyordanov.com is my website, and that has links to everything. My My podcast, Connecting Minds, my other podcast, uh, Children's Health Podcast. And if folks are interested in any health consulting on whatever issue you may need help with, I offer 15-minute free consultations to kind of see where you're at, if I can help you. If I can't, I won't BS you. Um, If I feel like you're not ready for it or whatever else, of course, I will let you know and uh that it's on the website if you want to email me directly christian at christian if you you know if you have any questions or or queries and uh raven thank you again brother this was this was great great fun brother
2: yeah, this was awesome, and I also just want to mention for folks too who are concerned. I know you offer the genetic testing, and you work with a company that is very responsible about how they handle that information. So, like someone like myself, super paranoid about I don't. It's like my DNA is mine, goddamn it. I don't want you know. And but you work with a company that I believe you said it like just it just it's just tests for very specific genes, and then it actually just gets it discards. The information after yeah. a certain amount of time,
1: yeah. So, so they only keep the sample for three months after which they dis, uh they destroy it. They only test for the gene, the genes in the panel that you've requested. So, for example, you know, you just get this kit in the mail, it's called DNA Life, and they have a bunch of different panels here written on the um, thing. So, uh, the, the two main ones I use is Grow Baby for, for women that want to get pregnant. Uh, or persons that want to get pregnant, I guess. Um, Good one. You, that was a subtle, subtle one. <laughs>
2: that was real subtle. Uh, I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and then the other one is like a general DNA health one, which is like really useful for just basic risk factors. So, so yeah, so so the only test for those genes that you select in the panel you want to run. And yeah, I, I also do a lot of other even more interesting tests for folks that have actual health stuff going on. So we do like still testing for pathogens we do organic acids testing with the urine where we can test for b vitamins antioxidants this glutathione thing i was talking about that's super important mitochondrial function energy production and some gut dysbiosis candida mold exposure and there's a ton of other much more advanced stuff but um those three would be some of my favorites and uh, yeah so if anyone needs help don't hesitate to to contact me
2: ChristianYordanov.com, ladies and gentlemen thank you so much again Christian uh, have a fantastic rest of your evening I appreciate the hell out of you man
1: thank you brother appreciate you
2: alright peace everybody yeah
4: walk up in this bitch like side by say. she over here talking about Naboula mm. so west it should be my last name hey. mm. I'm looking for a cutie someone who won't betray uh-huh. yeah and my love goes deep if I say a lady, late then this shit is what I mean I see you getting wetter through your jack Moussine my forever is forever killing up the, cup, the cup. Diamonds in my ear, put your wifey in the trance. After we kick it, I'ma turn it to a fan. Can't respect a nigga if that's on me the man. I'm loyal to my niggas and I'm loyal to my fans. Y'all your sides like Stacy Dash. Pride is a cost, we could price the tag. for 45 minutes, I'ma get the bag. Been to be there for my sons, like my name Steven Nash. Old Booker, this a light cooker. My bitch fine, yes sir, she'll look up. This K. Tremene, we don't need no DJ. Not a place for a face, we that seen like c say.
5: Welcome back, friends, to WBMP, getting weird on your radio dial. Behind us, we have a slowed-down instrumental version of the groovy rock hit How Much I Feel by the 70s folk pop band Ambrosia. Overlaid with these dulcet tones are some choice excerpts from a declassified CIA interrogation manual. Enjoy. Coercive procedures are designed not only to exploit the resistant source's internal conflicts and induce him to wrestle with himself, but also to bring a superior outside force to bear upon these subjects' resistance. Non-coercive methods are not likely to succeed if their selection and use is not predicated upon an accurate psychological assessment of the source. When an interrogator senses that the subject's resistance is wavering, that his desire to yield is growing stronger than his wish to continue his resistance, the time has come to provide him with the acceptable rationalization, a face-saving reason or excuse for compliance. Novice interrogators may be tempted to seize upon the initial yielding triumphantly and to personalize the victory. Such a temptation must be rejected immediately.
3: The manner and timing of arrest can contribute substantially to the interrogator's purposes. What we aim to do is ensure that the manner of arrest achieves, if possible, surprise and the maximum amount of mental discomfort in order to catch the suspect off balance and to deprive him of the initiative. One should therefore arrest him at the moment when he least expects it and when his mental and physical resistance is at its lowest. The ideal time at which to arrest a person is in the early hours of the morning, because surprise is achieved then, and because a person's resistance, physiologically as well as psychologically, is at its lowest.
5: Usually, his own clothes are immediately taken away, because familiar clothing reinforces identity and thus the capacity for resistance. Prisons give close haircuts and issue prison garb for the same reason. If the interrogatee is especially proud or neat, it may be useful to give him an outfit that is one or two sizes too large and to fail to provide a belt so that he must hold his pants up. The point is that man's sense of identity depends upon a continuity in his surroundings, habits, appearance, actions, relations with others, etc. Detention permits the interrogator to cut through these links and throw the interrogatee back upon his own unaided internal resources. The deprivation of stimuli induces regression by depriving the subject's mind of contact with an outer world and thus forcing it in upon itself. At the same time, the calculated provision of stimuli during interrogation tends to make the regressed subject view the interrogator as a father figure. The result, normally, is a strengthening of the subject's tendencies toward compliance. The threat of coercion usually weakens or destroys resistance more effectively than coercion itself. The threat to inflict pain, for example, can trigger fears more damaging than the immediate sensation of pain. In fact, most people underestimate their capacity to withstand pain.
3: The same principle holds for other fears. Sustained long enough, a strong fear of anything vague or unknown induces regression, whereas the materialization of the fear, the infliction of some form of punishment, is likely to come as a result. Drugs are no more the answers to the interrogator's prayer than the polygraph, hypnosis, or other aids. Studies and reports dealing with the validity of material extracted from reluctant informants indicate that there is no drug which can force every informant to report all the information he has. Not only may the inveterate criminal psychopath lie under the influence of drugs which have been tested, but the relatively normal and well-adjusted individual may also successfully disguise factual data.
5: A brief summary of the foregoing may help to hold the major concepts of coercive interrogation together. One. The principal coercive techniques are arrest, detention, the deprivation of sensory stimuli, threats, and fear, debility, pain, heightened suggestibility and hypnosis, and drugs. If a coercive technique is to be used, or if two or more are to be employed jointly, they should be chosen for their effect upon the individual and carefully selected to match his personality. 5. The pressures of duress should be slackened or lifted after compliance has been obtained, so that the interrogatee's voluntary cooperation will not be impeded. No mention has been made of what is frequently the last step in an interrogation conducted by a communist service, the attempted conversion. In the Western view, the goal of the questioning is information. Once a sufficient degree of cooperation has been obtained, to permit the interrogator access to the information he seeks, he is not ordinarily concerned with the attitudes of the source. Under certain circumstances, however, this pragmatic indifference can be short sighted. If the interrogatee remains semi hostile or remorseful after his successful interrogation has ended, less time may be required to complete his conversion and, conceivably, to create an enduring asset then might be needed to deal with his antagonism if he is merely forgot.
2: Alright, friends. Well, we've skipped, we've nipped, we've roped, we've doped, we've drilled, we've spilled, we've floated, and I believe we've mostly avoided becoming bloated. And it is time now for the end of the show. That means it's the outro reading, baby. Outro reading time. I want to have and outro reading time. And for today's outro reading, it's a real hold on to your butts reading, um, because I'm going to be reading about the Unabomber and the Harvard drug experiments that he was a part of, which were part of the MKUltra mind control program, which if you uh, go back into the archives, I did a whole episode about MKUltra and government mind control programs. Uh, It's not acknowledged enough that the Unabomber Theodore Kaczynski was subjected to these mind control experiments at Harvard. And he was like a young prodigy. He entered, he was not yet even 16 years old when he started college. And then as like a 16, 17 year old kid, he was subjected to these really horrific psychological experiments, which I'm going to read about for the outro reading. But Why am I reading about uh, the Unabomber? It's because the Unabomber passed away at the age of 81 in his jail cell. He was either suicided or what, but at 81 years old, the Unabomber passed away. A Harvard mathematician turned anarchist, um, living alone in the woods in Montana, uh, writing his manifesto opposed to technology, convinced of the evils of technology and where it was taking society. Um, obviously, we at the Barbarian Noetics Podcast, we don't condone violence. We don't condone bombings or anything like that. Uh, I don't, I'm not sitting here, I'm not trying to valorize or romanticize the Unabomber in any way. I just think that he's an important and interesting figure in our history, in our kind of culture. And the fact that he was a part of these mind control experiments is significant. So that's what the outro reading is going to be about. So Unabomber and the Harvard Drug Experiments, and this is encyclopedia2.thefreedictionary.com. In 1957, a 37-year-old PhD in psychology named Timothy Leary read an article by R. Gordon Wasson on entheogens in indigenous Mexican religious ceremonies and made the decision to travel to Mexico and experiment with psilocybin mushrooms. It was a decision that altered Leary's life and the lives of millions of others. Upon Leary's return to Harvard, he began the Harvard Psilocybin Project with Dr. Richard Alpert, who would later be known as Ram Dass, and other colleagues. Leary went on to experiment with LSD, and he became convinced that properly administered dosages could alter behavior in many beneficial ways, including by producing profound mystical and spiritual experiences. Another of Leary's colleagues at Harvard who was soliciting volunteers among the students for experiments was Dr. Henry A. Murray, a psychiatrist who had been a lieutenant colonel in World War II and had devised special tests that the Office of Strategic Services, the OSS, used in selecting agents. The OSS becomes the CIA uh, a few years later, and Dr. Henry Murray is a one-world government fanatic. He can't stop talking about the the one-world government and the New World Order. So he's a New World Order guy. So just saying, that's a fact. So among the students who volunteered for Murray's experiments at Harvard was a brilliant young man named Theodore Kaczynski, who had entered the university when he was not quite 16. Later, George Peranian, one of Kaczynski's professors at the University of Michigan where he did postgraduate work, commented that it was an understatement to say that Kaczynski was highly intelligent. The young man earned his Ph.D. by solving in less than a year a problem in mathematics that Paranian himself had been unable to crack. Maxwell O. Reed, a mathematics professor who served on Kaczynski's dissertation committee at Michigan, speculated that there were probably only 10 to 12 people in the United States who could understand Kaczynski's specialty, a branch of complex analysis known as geometric function theory. Kaczynski would later hold a National Science Foundation Fellowship and publish six articles in mathematics journals. Theodore Ted Kaczynski seemed destined for high-level academic success. Those who have researched his case in depth have suggested that had he not volunteered for those experiments in mind control at Harvard, he might not have become the infamous Unabomber. Dr. Henry A. Murray had come from a wealthy New York background and was an interesting mix of scientist and humanist. He freely discussed his apprehensions about living in a nuclear age and thought humankind's best chance for survival would be under a single world government, that's right. Murray had become convinced that he had a special mission to transform individuals from their nationalistic indoctrination as national man into world man. And anytime you got psychiatrists thinking they're on special missions, steer the fuck clear of that no thank you. I'm not trying to fucking deal with any messiah ass god complex ass psychiatrist who's gonna pump me full of fucking drugs and psychologically torture me. No thanks. We here at the Barbarian Noetics podcast reject that. (laughs) The interplay between two individuals which he viewed as a dyad could be made to bridge psychology and sociology and create a unit that would be able to survive in the new world. Murray's famous system used by the OSS to select agents who could withstand torture and interrogation involved a test that in many trials left the applicants crying and broken. The experiments in which Kaczynski participated were even more elaborate than the ones devised by Murray for the OSS in wartime. The subjects were bound to chairs, wired with electrodes and various monitoring devices, and subjected to total darkness, blinding lights, highly personal verbal attacks, and probably, unknowingly, doses of LSD. The entire program was under the direction of Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, who was, under, who was also the leader of the CIA's MKUltra project in mind control. The records of all 150 projects and subprojects of MK Ultra were ordered destroyed in 1972 by CIA director Richard Helms. Not suspicious at all by the way, right? The, report, the records of all 150 projects and subprojects projects of MKUltra were ordered destroyed in 1972. And mainstream media loves to be like, The program was demolished in 1972 and everything since then has been totally fine. There's been no other mind
0: control program by the government.
2: It's so fucking stupid. They just changed the name. They learned their lesson and they've created all these different safety hatches to make sure that this shit doesn't get public again because they were publicly embarrassed when the MK Ultra thing, I think it was like featured on the front page of the New York Times back when the New York Times was actually a newspaper. And so they've infiltrated the New York Times, they project mockingbirded the whole press, and they've taken steps to make sure that none of this stuff, or at least they've attempted to take steps to make sure that none of this stuff gets public again. That's why the independent media is here and working so hard to try to shed light on this stuff, because there's so much effort to keep it in the dark. But yeah, the idea that these experiments were stopped or whatever, it's just stupid and just so naive and they just changed the names i I mean you could argue that all of society is just a mind control program at this point and the the term government means mind control so it's like they're all about the fucking mind control these motherfuckers all right sorry i'll try to stop ranting (laughs) um so they were auto destroyed in 1972 so researchers cannot truly evaluate the effects that murray's experiments had on kaczynski or any other participants but many investigators have theorized that Chachinsky became a program ticking time bomb. Now that is speculation. Um, I don't know about necessarily him being a program ticking time bomb. Um, I think he was just a really brilliant young man who was vulnerable and he was psychologically tormented. And, uh, you know, for, for some reason he came away from that thinking that technology and that modern society was just pure evil. And I think that speaks to the trauma of the experimentation. You know, we talk about torture, a bet for those of you out there, listeners who are familiar with the psychedelic experience, And if you've ever had like a bad trip or even like partial bad trips, you know, like I I try not to even use the language of bad trip. And I just like, you know, trips are like anything else. There's ups and downs and strikes and gutters, but they can get really scary. Sometimes trips become really scary and it's a whole thing. And you have to really like be aware and have techniques and strength of will to kind of like make sure that you navigate away from that so you don't descend into the bad trip because that can actually cause permanent psychological damage and you know I met I met someone in Hawaii who had permanent psychological damage from an ayahuasca trip that just went bad and just got worse and worse and worse and it went into a vortex And, you know, when I did ayahuasca, I also saw the sex demons and I saw some really scary shit. I was forced to face like my worst fear, which I won't even talk about. But then I did manage to pull myself out of it. But like sometimes these things just spiral and spiral. So these psychotic one world government psychiatrists are creating. They are like curating hell trips for young students. They're creating horrific trips. So that's torture. And that is really Unethical and really fucked up, and it can definitely cause psychological damage. And for someone as brilliant as Ted Kaczynski, you know, he got it in his head that modern society overall, modern technological progress, is a net negative, not a net positive. And you know, how does this psychological trauma that he underwent, how does that contribute to that worldview? Um, you know, we'll never know now. We'll never know because Ted's gone, and we'll also never know because all the records have been fucking destroyed. Alright, so getting back to the article here. Assessed as brilliant by all who knew him, Ted was also regarded as highly unsocial. His loving, supportive parents recalled that their child's personality changed from that of a happy baby boy after he had been hospitalized for several weeks with a severe allergic reaction to medication and during, it doesn't say this in the article, but During that hospitalization, he was so allergic and he was having such a bad reaction, he had to be kept in isolation for days on end in the hospital with no human contact. And that was obviously deeply traumatizing to him. And he went from being a happy baby boy to being deeply unsocial. Um, That's also important as we consider like, is the cure always, is the cure worse than the disease sometimes, you know, and keeping people isolated like that i get it i understand that there's certain instances where you have to but it's like i don't know man i just i think that isolation is one of the cruelest things we can do to people um and that was one of the most disgusting aspects of the covid project is that our elders were kept in isolation not even being allowed their loved ones weren't even allowed to see them while they were on their deathbeds that is fucking evil in my opinion Upon his return home, Little Ted seemed to cry easily and beg for comfort. Away from home, he was shy, aloof, and withdrawn, even in the company of friends and neighbors. After receiving his PhD from the University of Michigan and being recognized as a gifted mathematician, Kaczynski obtained a position as assistant professor of mathematics at the University of California, Berkeley, in the fall of 1967. He had few friends among the faculty, and his aloof and reserved manner caused students to give him poor ratings as a teacher. The vice chairman of the mathematics department, Calvin Moore, commented that with Kaczynski's impressive academic credentials and his record of published articles at such a young age, he could easily have advanced to tenure and status. But unexpectedly, in 1969, Ted resigned without explanation. In 1971 he moved to Great Falls, Montana and began building a cabin near Lincoln, 80 miles southwest of Great Falls, on some land that he and his brother David had acquired. Like many intellectuals before him, Kaczynski sought personal transformation in solitude. He would be another Henry David Thoreau, living alone in his own version of Walden Pond. In his solitude, he also had lots of time to reflect upon the evils of contemporary society and how the Industrial Revolution had destroyed forever humankind's link with the rural lifestyle that had nurtured it for centuries. And I don't think it's destroyed forever, I just think it's destroyed for the time being. He also had plenty of time to consider Dr. Murray's fears about living in a nuclear age and surviving as world man rather than as national man. Kaczynski mailed the first bomb to Professor Buckley Crist at Northwestern University on May 1978. A campus police officer sustained minor injury when he opened the package. The FBI became involved when the second bomb was found smoking in the cargo hold of a commercial airplane before it could explode. A faulty timing mechanism prevented the bomb from detonating, but investigators said that it contained enough explosives to have blown the plane to bits along with its passengers and crew. FBI agents began a search for a disgruntled airline employee, but John Douglas, the father of the FBI's profiling of criminals, assessed the sophistication of the device as the work of a disgruntled academic rather than an airline mechanic seeking revenge against a former employer. The third bomb caused the first serious injury. In 1985, a Berkeley graduate student who had just been accepted for astronaut training lost four fingers and vision in one eye because of the blast. The first death resulted from the fourth bomb which exploded in the parking lot of a California computer store in 1985, killing the owner with nail and splinter projectiles. In Salt Lake City on February 20, 1987, a similar bomb detonated near a computer store, but no one was injured. Each of these bombs Or the inscription FC which investigators first interpreted as fuck computers but which was later revealed to stand for Freedom Club and it's just kind of interesting that FC also stands for Fight Club this is kind of weird there were no more bombs until 1993 when Kaczynski mailed another potentially fatal package this time to David Gelernter a computer science professor at Yale who escaped injury and I don't think he totally did escape injury I think he lost a couple of his his fingers got maimed uh, for sure Later in 1993, geneticist Charles Epstein was maimed by the bomb that he received. And I did a little bit of research on this guy, Charles Epstein, to see, you know, the Epstein connection or whatever. I can't really find much uh, other than he shares the name with Jeffrey, but he just seems kind of like a nefarious uh, geneticist character. Kaczynski wrote to the New York Times claiming to be the leader of an anarchist group called the Freedom Club and accepting responsibility for the bombings. Within a few months, in 1994, an advertising executive was killed by a mail bomb, and a a subsequent letter by Kaczynski justified the assassination by condemning the public relations field for manipulating people to obey the wills of the advertisers and to buy things that they don't really need. I mean, (laughs) listen, Ted, I share your dislike for the public relations field, but I'm not sure if mailing bombs to random executives is the move. Um, But, you know. In 1995, shortly after the murder of Gilbert Murray, president of the California Forestry Association, the Unabomber began mailing letters, some to his former victims, explaining his goals and demanding that newspapers print his 35,000-word manifesto, Industrial Society and its Future. The Unabomber threatened to send more bombs unless his manifesto appeared in print. He promised to cease his campaign of terror if his philosophy could be made known to the general public. In September 1995, the New York Times and the Washington Post published the Unabomber's thesis word for word as he had written it. The authorities had encouraged the newspapers to present the Unabomber's work verbatim, not only to appease him, but also in the hope that someone would recognize his writing style and phraseology. Among Kaczynski's main points were the following. The Industrial Revolution and its technological legacy have proved to be a disaster for the human race. The resulting system suppresses human freedom, destroys nature, and makes the individual exist to serve the system rather than the other way around, as it should be. Modern technology is undesirable, and it should be halted so that people can return to a simpler, happier lifestyle living next to nature. A collapse of the technological society is inevitable, so it would be best to bring about a social crash as soon as possible before it can get any worse. There should be no illusions about creating an ideal society. The goal should be only to destroy the existing form of society. If revolutionaries do not destroy the present form of society, the future will see the common people surviving as, quote, house pets or slaves to an elite class of humans or to intelligent machines. And that is pretty fucking apropos now at this point, with Yuval Noah Harari talking about the useless eaters and talking about how the best he can figure out is to just keep people distracted with drugs and video games. That's what that's what you've all know. Harari actually says, and he's the spiritual leader of the World Economic Forum. So, just fucking take that for what it's worth. Kaczynski was arrested outside his remote Montana cabin on April third, nineteen ninety-six. His brother David had recognized his writing style and notified the authorities. Although David had received assurances that Ted would never know that his own brother had turned him to the FBI. The information was leaked to the press. The Kaczynski family was also betrayed when the prosecutors had promised them that they would not seek the death penalty. Ted managed to avoid the sentence of death by pleading guilty on January 22, 1998, and he was delivered to the federal ADX Supermaximum Security Prison in Florence, Colorado to serve life without the possibility of parole. David Kaczynski donated the reward money, minus his legal expenses, to the families of the Unabomber's victims. Over an 18-year period, Kaczynski sent mail bombs to his selected targets, killing three and wounding 29. As the Unabomber, he was responsible for the FBI's most expensive manhunt ever conducted. When we reflect upon the brilliant, barely 16-year-old, shy and sensitive Harvard student who volunteered for mind control experiments under the direction of Henry Murray and Sidney Gottlieb, we can only wonder exactly what programming was directed towards the other Kaczynski and hundreds of others. We know today that Murray and Gottlieb conducted mind control tests that flagrantly violated medical ethics. What we don't know is how many other Unabombers might be triggered someday by an insidious post-hypnotic suggestion that was planted in a student's psyche 45 or 50 years ago. And I also think it's worth considering the possibility that the Unabomber was framed, that he possibly knew too much, he was too smart. He figured out too much, and they were worried that his philosophy might actually result in some sort of societal movement. Uh, it wouldn't be impossible to, you know, send bomb Like the anthrax letters, for example, those were traced back to a government lab. So the anthrax letters were not sent by Muslim terrorists. They were sent by the government to senators and shit like that who were standing in the way of the Patriot Act. And the fact that it was the FBI's most expensive manhunt, I mean, that's a godsend for the FBI. So the FBI fucking, the Unabomber worked out great for the FBI because they got a shit ton of money and press and law laudits from the public and all this shit. So obviously, I don't know, and this is just speculation, uh, but he was obviously strong armed into pleading guilty to in order to avoid the death penalty. And and his death is, is kind of suspicious as well, in my opinion. Uh, whether he was actually committed suicide or whether he was suicided, so just some things to think about. Um, you know, he's he's gone from this world now. So whether he was actually the Unabomber or not, uh, he has unfurled his mortal coil. I hope his spirit becomes enlightened. And um, also, you know, to the victims, that's horrible. Anyone who got injured or died is that's horrible as well. So I extend my heartfelt condolences and good wishes to those folks as well, no matter who was behind the bombs. You know, that's that's awful. So anyways, friends, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Barbarian Noetics podcast. So thanks so much for sticking with me. I appreciate all of you. Uh, If you derive some value from the free show I put out every two weeks, every three weeks or so. Please consider supporting the podcast. The best way to support me, to help me uh, offset the cost of staying on the air, is the direct donate. If you um, just would direct donate on Cash App, that's the best way it gets to me directly and immediately. And I am Barbarian Raven on Cash App. Barbarian Raven on Cash App. You can also go to buymeacoffee.com slash noetics. Uh, You can still sign up on the Patreon, patreon.com slash noetics. Uh, email the podcast barbarian.noetics at proton.me. I still get emails also through barbarian.noetics at gmail.com. So either one of those email if you want to get in touch. I'm on IG barbarian underscore noetics. Hit me up on there. And I just love and appreciate all of you so much. You all are the best, my listeners, my day ones. Stay true to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. Make the world and your immediate surrounding, you know, be a positive influence. Uh, keep your head up. And until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves. I love you all. All right. Peace.
4: te invito a andar por las calles más peligrosas donde abunde el delito donde si no es el policía es el malandro y si no es el malandro hasta la sombra de un gato te asusta chico es la ciudad del mito como te explico que en la profundidad del cerro portan un fierro desde chiquito es la ciudad del mito aquí hasta el silbón anda armado para estar seguro que no lo matan después de haber silbado y caminando voy a las tres y por cada paso que doy se siente más el estrés y como no andar estresado si la calle huele a sangre ya me tragueta y como Dice el cuarto, mientras más tranquilo más boleta Y camina, 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 camina Me dice mi mente intranquila y al mismo tiempo Me obliga a poner cara como de gente asesina Camina, 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 camina Camina. Ten cuidado con una mina, camina, mira como miras Que pum, hasta las 3 de la mañana Voy a caminar hoy, pues el día caminando relajado por siempre del que camina a mi lado. Sobre todo si son las tres en un país donde andan malandrizados, tomados, acelerados y de paso necesitados. En un país donde la vida no tiene peso, aquí todo tiene un precio y te matarán por eso. Aquí donde ves niños de 13 años practicando a las puñaladas pa' por si acaso caen presos. Donde a la mujer le encanta un glow y no les importa cómo, con tal de que te convierta en su Santa Claus. Donde si matas te sobornan, si sobornas te lo impiden. Si te pasas te trasladan, pero en la cárcel te reciben yeah. Todo es compuso cuando son las 3 de la mañana Donde el silencio aturdido nacen que ni las paredes hablen Viento avísale a mi madre Que hasta las 3 de la mañana Desde la uno, uno negro. Oh, 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 oh. J C Surio. Dice uh, Rubén Roots, mena menor, hasta las 3 de la mañana. Yeah. bomba.